Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I think we should all take a moment to think about what it's like to be a turkey. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Hi, I'm just a little turkey. Just cut the damn bird, boy. Dewey, can we just enjoy our Thanksgiving dinner? You think you're so great sitting there all drugged up on your trampoline. You're the black sheep of this family. You call yourself a cox. Until you get right with Jesus, you'll never be nothing but a big black cox. This uh, shooting at the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia last night. Seven people dead. Late last night, too, this uh, shooting took place, I believe, after 10 p.m. Eastern time. The number has gone up again from six to seven dead. Not the way you want to start your Wednesday morning, the day before Thanksgiving. And now, of course, we're going to be inundated with gun talk. That's what happens, of course. Right away. You know, the bodies, God rest these uh, souls of these poor people. Rigor mortis hasn't even set in yet. And right away, guns, 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 guns. Not crazies, not the fact that some crazy person decided to walk into a Walmart and start shooting people. That's not the issue. Well, I'm so tired of this conversation. Like the gun just woke up by itself. The gun got in the car. The gun drove the car. The gun walked into Walmart, and the gun fired itself. And that's all you're going to hear today. Guns, guns, guns. And then you've got this uh, other story here, this uh, LGBTQ nightclub shooting suspect being caught for the first time today after he killed five people, injured nearly 30 others in Colorado Springs on Saturday night. So between Walmart... Colorado Springs, 
And then they saw the crime, the worst of them all, with no guns, knives. These four college students murdered in Idaho. And by the way, the same day four college students were murdered in Idaho, three Virginia students were shot to death on that campus that day. The news cycle is just so damn depressing, it's, um, it's hard to watch. So on one TV here, CNN, they're talking about the horror in Colorado. On the middle television, Fox News, they're talking about seven dead at the Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia. And thank God for New York One, that racist liberal local channel, they're talking about the Thanksgiving travel rush. (laughs) With a reporter right at JFK Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Is that my guy, uh, Roger Clark? I, Doing the reporting? No, I, I. Well, I think it's a female. I'm oh, sure maybe Shannon. Oh, yeah, I don't know who she is. Yeah, I see her. Yeah. Yeah, I see her a lot. But I guess uh, it's going to be a brutal couple of days of travel, which is nice, which is good. But it's something that doesn't involve shooting or dead people, which is, um, which is a good thing. So we've got a whole bunch of depressing news for you today. But I'm going to try to stay away from a lot of that and talk about uh, fun stuff. Like for example, last night, me and my beautiful wife Danielle took the one-hour trip from Rockaway in Queens to Elmont, Long Island, the home of Vinny Testaverde, the great Vinny Testaverde. He doesn't live there now. He lives in Miami, I think, but he grew up there in Elmont, Long Island. And uh, we met Peter King, the great congressman Peter King, who will join me as he does every Wednesday morning, this morning at 840. Peter and his beautiful wife, Rosemary, and his driver, who I just love to pieces, Melissa Zim, She's a rock star. She's hilarious. And uh, the five of us met at a really good Italian restaurant on Long Island called King Umberto's. And the uh, owner, Rosario, could not have been nicer. I mean, he could not have been nicer. And the food was great. I mean, really great. And they treated us like rock stars. It was, it was a lovely evening. It really was. And then, you know, it's not just Peter. You show up there and then... Anthony D'Esposito is there. He's one of those four guys that flipped a congressional seat to Republican a couple of weeks ago. Anthony and uh, Santos both did it on Long Island. And then, of course, we had Mark Molinaro and Mike Lauder, too. But Anthony was there. He's a terrific guy, very nice guy. Also, you have the Republican Nassau County Chairman Joe Cairo. He was there. So we had uh, one picture we took in the back, and it was like, all these Nassau County bigwig politicians on a Tuesday night, and it was great. So, again, we, uh, we want to thank Danielle and I, Peter, Rosemarie, Melissa, Joe Cairo, Anthony D'Esposito, Rosario, and all the fine folks at King Umberto's in Elmont for a lovely evening. You ever go there, uh, Louis, King Umberto's? I have to check my calendar. It's so filled with good restaurants. I haven't. You've never been there? No, I haven't. Are you upset you weren't invited last night? Um, I'm starting to feel upset. (laughs) I'm starting to feel pangs of upsetness. Yes. Uh, But uh, considering what's going on around the world, I'm I'm fine. We've been on a tear lately, Danielle and I, going out with different people and different restaurants. And you and MJ were part of that mix on Sunday afternoon at Harbor Lights. Yeah, I got my fill. You did, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I got my Phil. Talking about Phil, where the hell is Phil? 
I think he's sleeping off his Roberto's <laughs> hangover. I, I, I don't know. Hopefully he got home with what he had to go through. I, I, I kind of missed him this morning. I yeah, don't know. I know you would miss him. Justin did a great job getting us ready for the show. A lot of work. Which he always does. Always does. Cut all the sound. Barely any of it. Who, me? Yes. Oh, I thought you were You did a great job this morning. Well, I thought you were talking to, about Phil. But he, I miss Phil. He has to cut through the Phil madness. I know. <laughs> well, what what Phil does for you is, uh, you know, he, uh, he gets he gets good lines for later. Maybe some games that you might be interested. In right, and, uh, certain, basketball you know, games. Certain fun facts. Like he knows the, about the soccer. Yeah. Right. Like He's, you don't know anything about the soccer. No, no, no. And I, I don't want to know anything. <laughs> that's like yeah. that's like a waste of my brain space. No, but it's not. It's a big deal. Why? Because the world is playing soccer, bro. The world always the plays world. soccer. The world I plays know, soccer but every day. It, this happens to be an event that is yeah. about the world. It's called the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. You don't care. No. You know, I do like the Iranian team because they refused to sing the national anthem before they got their asses kicked by England, who we play next. We play England on Friday. They're going to kill us, too. But they refused to sing the national anthem because they hate the regime in Iran. I thought that was cool. They are a bunch of murderous thugs, those um, the mullahs and folks in charge in Iran. So good for the players. I mean, yeah. they'll get home and they'll all be murdered yeah, one by one. But... I was going to say, don't go home. You better, you better stay in Qatar. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, yeah, what you do. What's worse? Yeah, yeah, right? Were there any upsets at all yesterday that I should know about today or anything? I mean, uh, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. That was a big deal. That's a big deal. But... Lionel Messi and Argentina, yeah. one of the tournament favorites, lost to Saudi Arabia. I How think... badly do they need oil? I think they'll be fine. <laughs> You they think they'll be all right? They've got two games left. You're playing like Poland. But if you win the next two, it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter. They have like Poland and who else? And like somebody in some other country that doesn't play soccer. Oh, if we beat England on Friday, which we have no chance of doing, none. We're going to get blown out. But if we do, then we play Iran because that's our group. Wales, Iran, England. Then we move on and then possibly play the Jets. Yeah, we, we would, no. yeah then we would meet the Jets at MetLife. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a, there's a game going on right now. Five o'clock in the morning, there was a game. Sure. Who's playing? I have no idea. See, Phil would know this. But that's fine. Phil can know that, but he's not going to know it here today. Well, why isn't he here today? <laughs> why am I here and not Phil? I don't know. And Phil. why am I going to be here on Friday and not Phil? That's been like the running joke all week, except it's not a joke. It's not a joke. Phil, no. Phil, Phil, like, uh, Phil for some reason, felt... Um, obliged to take the most time out of all of us. You know, Peter King actually made the point last night at dinner that he likes the way the show sounds, right in front of me and Danielle, and he likes all you guys. I've only been making this point for a long time now. Build this thing around me. Give me guys that are young, hungry, talented, stupid. Right. And you guys meet all that criteria. Yeah. And everybody everybody I talk to, and I mean this, everybody I talk to thinks the show sounds as good, if not better now, than ever. Because of you guys. Because you all make a contribution. You do, Phil does, Lou does, even people like Frankie Diaz, Noam once in a while, Garcia once in a while, Deb Valentine. That's called an ensemble cast. And that's what morning shows that have great success have. Not two guys talking back and forth. That's what Imus had. That's what Stern has. All these really successful morning shows have ensemble casts. And a lot of the talent are folks that you give their first chance to. 
And then they're born into stars later on, obviously. Whether it's a Gary Delabate, a Jackie Mortling, a Charles McCord, or a Rob Bartlett. That's how it works. Or Justin Ellick. Hey, now. Well, you're that guy now, yes. So when Justin and Phil are doing a show in 10 That's 10 never going to happen. Um, no, that's well, never going to happen. No, don't be ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. what's more of a possibility, us beating England or them doing a show? Them doing a show. <laughs> All right. In fact, them doing the number one show in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so we got no shot. We got no shot on yeah. no shot. So one of the things I do miss about living in the city, and I miss very little about living in the city. I really do. I love where I live now. I love it. But um, the last couple of years, I lived on the Upper West Side. I lived on 104th and West End. So we were very close to Amsterdam and, like, 77th Street. If I, if I have that correct, I don't even, I'm not even sure, but I think it was. So they blow up the balloons for the Thanksgiving Day Parade every year. I think it's 77th in Amsterdam. So a couple of years, me and Danielle took Ava and Gabriel there, and we watched them blow up the balloons on a Wednesday night. In fact, it's a funny story. Bernie loved this story. One year, excuse me, there was uh, uh, long lines, and we didn't want to wait because we got there late. They closed it down like 8.30 at night. We got there like 8 o'clock. And it gets packed. It gets packed, right. So I ha- so Danielle goes, go tell them who you are. <laughs> oh, that's right, nice. right. So this was like four years ago. So Danielle, Aben, Gabriel online, and I walk up to the cop who's at the front of the line, and I go, do me a favor. My name is Sid Rosenberg. I host a morning show with Bernie at WABC. Can I get in? And the guy's like, Sid Rosenberg? He goes, wait a second. Are you the same guy that used to work at the fan? He didn't care about WABC. No. I go, yeah, that's me. I said, in fact, um, just yesterday, I was talking to Craig Corton. He goes, wait. You know Craig Carton? I'm like, yeah. I worked with Craig two or three times. So what? All right, let him in. It wasn't until I mentioned Craig Carton's name. So the next day I go on the air with Bernie, I said, I got to tell you, I mentioned WABC, I got nothing. My name got me nothing. That's changed now, by the way. This is like four years ago. But I mentioned Craig Carton's name, and they let me right in, and uh, we enjoyed it. This guy. Yeah. Here. He knows Craig. He knows Carton. So the next year we went back again. Power. And it became like an annual thing for us. We've done the parade two or three times, which is fun. Sit outside there in front of Macy's on 34th Street. If it's not too cold, it's a really nice time. If it's too cold, it's miserable. But watching the balloons getting blown up the night before became an annual Rosenberg event. And now, of course, we're not going to do that because we live in Rockaway. But uh, that happens tonight. And if we were still living in the city... I would probably do it. You have no interest in that, right? None. I, I've done it already. If you put a bucket of a million dollars in front of one you wouldn't of do the it. balloons. Now, wh- when there. did you do this? I'm curious. I've, 20 years ago. With who? I, I, Was like a date? or? Yeah, with a past past girlfriend. Like, really? Hey, let's meet. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we went. And how was it? You liked it? it was. I liked it because the kids love it. It's it's good with the kids. But I mean. you could get up close to the balloon. Yeah. it's kind of interesting. Yes, it's a, but it it. I think in that time period since I've done it, it's gotten uh, insane. Too crowded. You yeah. can't walk yeah. down the. You can't go down the streets. No, you can't. It's very cool to look at. Right, right, but, right. Um, that's yeah. it. Those days are done. And then all the TV trucks are there too. Yeah, they all cover it. I think Al Roker is even there tonight. So right. 
got more fat people walking up. A lot of fat up, people, yes. Up, yes. Looking up. Hey, look, the oh, underdog. There's Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they're doing. But if you haven't done it, I still recommend it. Lou is right. It's gotten really busy. A lot of folks. But if you haven't done it and you live in the city, I wouldn't travel from Brooklyn or Queens or the Bronx. But if you live in the city, specifically the Upper West Side or even Midtown, you should do it. If you have kids especially, they'll love it. But uh, not tonight for me. No. Fun for all. Yeah, I'm going to go home after this and uh, get ready for a big day of eating tomorrow. Three football games. Big one between the Bills and the Lions. My Giants taking on the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to get murdered, by the way, in Texas. Murdered. But it's all going to be fun. Me, my beautiful wife, and my son, who just so happens tomorrow on Thanksgiving happens to be Gabriel's 14th birthday. Wow. Yes, November the 24th. Fell exactly on Thanksgiving this year. And what was what's amazing is when he was born, and he was born in Boca Raton, Florida, he was also born on Thanksgiving. So um, special day tomorrow, Thanksgiving and my angel son Gabriel's 14th birthday. A lot to celebrate. Crazy. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, I got it. you should bring him to the uh, balloon thing for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. Never mind. We got a great guest list today, Curtis Sliwa, who's just an incredible talent, very entertaining, and obsessed with me. He'll join me at 740. Congressman Peter King, once again, off that great dinner last night. He'll be here at 840 this morning. My first cousin, Norm Coleman, who Donald Trump gave a whole bunch of credit to yesterday. You know, you would think that Greg Kelly, I mean, what's the matter with him, seriously? Is he like, does he have any idea what's going on in and around him? Everybody in the world knows that Norm Coleman is my first cousin. So Greg Kelly plays the cut yesterday of Donald Trump mentioning Norm Coleman. Greg Kelly talks about Norm Coleman and never mentions the fact that we're cousins. You know why? He doesn't know. You know why? He doesn't listen. What the hell's the matter with that guy? Seriously. God. And then we'll talk to the attorney, Joe Murray, about the big celebration tomorrow, the annual, excuse me, Saturday, the Little North Pole in Rockaway. He'll enjoy that, too. So stick around. Big Hump Day Wednesday, pre-Thanksgiving show with me, Sid Rosenberg, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Today's a national holiday in Saudi Arabia because they beat Argentina in soccer yesterday. They actually declared today a national holiday. That's they take that soccer really yeah. seriously, Lewis. That's why Phil's probably hung over somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure he, he is. Put all his money on that. Where, where is he? Is he home or is he? He's, I Yeah, Jersey, I think. Yeah, he didn't go anywhere, right? So why does he need three days off for if he... Uh, I'm obsessed with this, like Curtis is obsessed with me. <laughs> sure, I, I just sure? can't figure it out. It's, you know, I actually woke up uh, in the middle of the night at 2.30 in the morning to make pee-pee. Because I do that now like two or three times a night because I'm old, you know. And um, I, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I was thinking about Phil. That's like, why creepy. is he off? It's a little creepy. I know. Well, not sexually. That would be very creepy. However. I'm like, why is he off? Like, I'm standing there at 2.30. My eyes are still shut. I think I was snoring. And I'm urinating, barely getting into the toilet, by the way. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this guy off? Right now, he, he's very lucky he's not here hearing this. I wish I was off now. <laughs> well, Me just snoring and farting I, and all that stuff. Yeah. Urinating. Did you put the music select the uh, musical selection yesterday on that Facebook um, page I, I think that I, follows us? I think I did. You did. You put the playlist. Okay. All right. So I so did. far today, we've got. Tom Petty and Rob Thomas. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. We're rock, rocking on uh, Thanksgiving. Rocking. So uh, four great guests today coming your way. Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Norm Coleman, and the attorney Joe Murray. And this Kevin McCarthy sound from yesterday was great. They're going to impeach this bastard Mayorkas, who, of course, is in charge of Homeland Security, who's allowing all this stuff to go down at the border and lies. Lies, lies, lies. Tells you there's nothing wrong, folks. The border is just fine. Don't worry about the fentanyl. Don't worry about the terrorists. Don't worry about any of it. It is just fine. I think I told you when I went to rehab, one of the two times I went, they, uh, they've they got an acronym for the word fine in rehab. Because I walked in one day, my first day there, this was in uh, 1995, the first one I went to, in uh, Wernersville, Pennsylvania, by Reading, Chit Chat Farms. And I remember the counselor said, Mr. Rosenberg, how are you today? And I was scared to death. I'm like, I'm fine. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> Do you know what fine stands for, Mr. Rosenberg? What the hell? I swear to God, this sounds, is rehab. Sounds like parasite. It, it was exactly like that. <laughs> and I'm like, No. I, 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 I think I'm okay. No, no. Do you know what it stands for? So I'm like, am I like, am I in rehab or am I in prison? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Mr. Rosenberg. Fine. F. F'd up. I. Insecure. N. Neurotic. E. Emotional. Are you experiencing any or all of those four symptoms? And I'm like. Sir, no, sir. Well, I wasn't until you mentioned it, but yes, now that you did it. I mean, I can't wait to go out and get out of here and do more drugs. <laughs> I'm fine. Fine, Mr. Rosenberg. I never forgot that, so. <laughs> I mean, that was my first morning in rehab. Well, let's just check your footlocker and see if anything's missing. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> uh, look at this. Hey, it worked. I was sober for a little while there. I mean, I eventually fell off a million times, but I worked for a little while. That guy scared the hell out of me. Uh, we need a guy like that in the mornings here just to, like, get you good screens. <laughs> unless you want to do it. Oh, yeah, listen, they do, do stuff in rehab that is intense. So, also, during that first rehab stay, they go, um, listen, we need you to write your own eulogy. I'm like, excuse me? Wow, that's cool. That's kind of interesting. They go, we're going to do an exercise. You need to write your own eulogy, and you need to, if you will, uh, apologize. What is your wife's name? Danielle. Apologize to Danielle. What is your daughter's name? Ava. Apologize. Gabe wasn't born yet. So the next morning, they take the whole group of us into this room, and all you see in the room is a coffin. Oh, my God. You can't make this up. Well, this is worse than Parasite. Worse. <laughs> so we walk in. Uh, they go, uh, you know, one at a time. Go, Mr. Rosenberg, walk up there and go into the coffin. I'm not kidding you. Walked up the stairs, went into the coffin, and the next thing you know, they shut it. You're kidding. I swear to God. And I hear the counselor, the drug counselor going, here lies Mr. Rosenberg, dead of a drug overdose oh at the God. age of 36. Leaving behind his beautiful wife, Danielle, his beautiful daughter, Ava. And I'm laying in this coffin going, like, I really wanted to be dead at that point. Like, I really wanted to be dead. This is fascinating. Oh, I know. I've got more for you. You, you should have been telling these stories. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a good book I don't want to But in out. all seriousness, it did work. Because when that exercise was over, I'm like, I don't want to die. I'm a young guy. I've got a wife. I've got a child. And those things did work. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. I mean, I remember coming out of the coffin, I was hysterical crying. And people who didn't know me sitting there, they were hysterical crying because they put pictures. This I didn't see until I was inside the coffin. Somehow they got pictures of Danielle and Ava. Ava was a baby, and they put it on top of the coffin. Oh, my God. I mean, brutal. Oh, my God. Now, Did you watch the others do this, too? Yes. And I started crying. These are complete strangers. But the thought of somebody dying and leaving behind loved ones... Really bothered me. Wow, they know what they're doing. Oh no, down they know there. what they're doing. Yeah, Jeez yeah. They scared the hell out of me. Like they scared the hell out of me. They make you feel terrible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Anthony Fauci spoke for the last time yesterday. That's quite a transition. His final press conference. Anthony Fauci talking about liars, right? With Kevin McCarthy and Mayorkas and all these people. We'll get to McCarthy later because it's great audio. But Fauci at his final press conference yesterday talked about all the things he did wrong. And uh, all the things we need to do moving forward, because God knows Anthony Fauci did such a terrific job. Right, folks? I mean, he was on the money, wasn't he? One day, wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. I mean, he was just, he was wrong more than your average weatherman. So in uh, this cut, number 15, Lewis, he says um, it bothers him that people are not getting vaccinated. And he tells you why. This is Anthony Fauci, cut number 15. Back in my days in medical school and when I was an intern and a resident, when a patient came in, whether or not the patient didn't like you, was angry with you, whether it was a rich person or a poor person, you treated everybody the same because you cared about them and you wanted everyone to walk out healthy. So when I see people in this country because of the divisiveness in our country of not getting vaccinated for reasons that have nothing to do with public health, but I have to do because of divisiveness and ideological differences. As a physician, it pains me 
defend and explain and stand by everything that we've said. So I have nothing to hide. Right. He's been lying since AIDS, this guy. He was involved in that research, too, going back to the AIDS virus. This guy's been lying for 40 years. 40 years. And these networks put him on as if he's a guru. Unbelievable. Take the booster and stick it up your... Exactly. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Traffic and sports coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Let Me Tell You with our friend Joan Hamburg on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Joan talks about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was always a very special holiday. And we could never turn anyone away. And now we continue the custom. This year, even though we're a little worried about COVID, but before you come to our Thanksgiving, you have to be tested. (laughs) And I think it's a good idea for everyone, if people are gathering and meeting, take a test the morning of and make sure everyone Okay, thank you. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. All right, Pete Morgan, that's my guy. Check him out. Peerless Boilers. Peerlessboilers.com. Paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. And with sports this morning, as every morning, our right-hand man, Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Sydney. I am Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. We'll start on the hardwood here. Uh, you had the Brooklyn Nets. In Philly last night, Ben Simmons made his much-anticipated on-court return to Philadelphia as Brooklyn did take on the Sixers. The homecoming didn't exactly go to plan as the Sixers defeated the Nets 115-106. to Simmons went for 11 points to go with his 11 assists at Philadelphia's Tobias Harris. He led the whole contest in scoring with his 24 points, helping the Sixers pull away for good late. Ben Simmons did speak after the game on the response he received from the home fans, and it turns out he was expecting way worse. Were you expecting it to be worse? Or? I thought it was going to be louder. Yeah. You thought it was going to be louder? Yeah. All right, Phil, you got to step it up next time. Apparently, Simmons and the Nets will try. Well said. And, yeah, right? Well said. Really articulate. Uh, Simmons and the Nets will try and rebound tonight in Toronto against the Raptors. That tip-off is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Over to the ice now for your remaining local action yesterday. The Rangers returned to the ice with a 5-3 win in L.A. over the Kings. Down 2 nothing early. The boys in blue, they were all the, all the way back to overcome a two-goal deficit for the first time this season. You had Schneider, Trocek, and Kako with goals uh, to start the resurgence, but it was Christopher James Kreider. He sealed things in the third with this eventual game win. And the goal by Sean Walker, Walker's first of the season at 6-12, ties the game. Kreider scores! Chris Kreider! Great hustle on the play! And puts it over Cal Peterson! That crowds can fly. That call courtesy of MSG. The win puts the Rangers in a three-way tie for second place in the Metro Division with the Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes. They'll try and build on the win come tonight in Anaheim against the Ducks. That puck will drop at 10 p.m. Eastern. As for the aforementioned Islanders, they'll be in action as well tonight at 7.30, hosting the Edmonton Oilers. And, of course, your your, uh, New Jersey Devils going for their 14th straight win at home tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That game's set to begin at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Burning and 
Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Smothy turkey that uh, Danielle is cooking this morning. So one thing that we missed about living in Florida, we had a, a beautiful home in Boca Raton. Beautiful home. And every year, my wife would do Thanksgiving. So my sister Elizabeth, for example, she lives in Parkland, Florida, and her husband Michael and all my nephews, they would come. Nana, when she was alive, she would come. And uh, just about every year, we hosted Thanksgiving at our house in Boca. And then uh, when you live in an apartment in New York City, unless you live in like a palatial Central Park apartment, uh, if you live in a, most apartments in New York City, those days are over. You're not hosting big Thanksgiving dinners. I mean, we used to have 16 people, 18 people, 20 people. So I moved to New York, and all of a sudden it got lonely. You know, Danielle wasn't in the mood to cook in a little kitchen in New York City for all these people. just didn't work. So we found ourselves the last couple of years, if not going to a relative's house, which is never fun, never, going out to eat, which is really depressing. There is nothing more depressing than going out to eat on Thanksgiving. It's It's like going to the movies by yourself. I mean, God. It's kind of lost. Oh, it's so depressing. People are like, oh, we're going out to eat. I go, what? That's horrible. Unless you're with a lot of people, maybe. Even then, it's yeah. just terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. here we were, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe, living on the Upper West Side. My parents were in Rockland County or in Florida, somewhere else, sisters in Brooklyn. And we would go the last two years to a place in Harlem, which we really like. It's called the Red Rooster. It's a wonderful restaurant, and they've got a great Thanksgiving meal turkey and all the fixings and it was really a great meal but i remember sitting there going man like my dad died two years ago and the last time i saw my father alive was on thanksgiving so this is a very bittersweet holiday for me to begin with and here i am sitting in a restaurant in harlem with a bunch of strangers not my wife and children of course i'm like this is awful so one of the many reasons why Having a new home again has been a renaissance period for my family. Spending the summer on the beach, which we did uh, just this last summer, it was beautiful. Having great neighbors like Billy Felton 
and John and Margaret on the other side is having holidays again and parties again back at the house. Now, again, Nana's gone. My father's gone. My daughter Ava's in college in a different country. So it's not exactly the same. I look at pictures of Thanksgiving like 2008 down in Boca. We had 26 people. Not like that now, but at least, at least we've got a big, beautiful dining room, a big kitchen, our own house. It's completely different. Completely different. I didn't realize spending six years living in Manhattan, two years down by Wall Street, Hanover Square. I like that building. Four years Upper West Side. I didn't realize how much I really disliked it. I was just living my life, you know. And it was convenient because my daughter went to school in the city. Gabriel went to school in the city for four years. Danielle worked in the city. I worked at Madison Square Garden, now in Midtown. So it was very convenient. So I didn't realize how much it really bothered me. But when you go back to that type of living in a house, in a community, where you don't have to walk in every day to a building and see people sitting in the lobby, like I go home, I go home. You know, when you live in a building, it's you see strangers every day. Now, the doormen were great, great. But these people hated my guts. Trump supporter? Not wearing a mask during COVID? You don't like... Jerry Nadler? You don't like Rosie O'Donnell's fat (laughs) brother? Who wants you here? Get out! It was just miserable. It really was. So. (laughs) Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler. But then there are some some minuses, too. For example, last night, we go to King Umberto's for dinner, and right next door to the restaurant is a place called Barney's Hardware. And right outside of this place, I've never been there before, was snowblowers, like 30 of them lined up outside the hardware store. And Danielle goes to me, you know, we got to buy one of those. I'm like, for what? She goes, when there's <laughs> Hello. snow. Hello. I go, I go, are you nuts? Seriously, are you crazy? I can't see you. You doing I'm it? I'm not going to shovel. I'm not going to snowblow. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that. You got 19,000 degenerate kids running around Rockaway, you know, breaking bus stops and knocking down signs. Those kids are getting paid. You're not buying no snowblower. Oh, yeah, we are. Yes, we are. You can't keep paying for stuff. We're not millionaires. You're going to have to do this. I'm like, okay, fine. You buy the snowblower. I promise you, I'm not getting on it. I'm not getting on it. No, so, it's when you ride. Yeah, you ride it. It's like a car. You know, it's, it's uh, like a little... Uh... And it's a plow. Yeah, and you plow it, yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought a, a snowblower you push. No, this you, you sit on it. It's like, you know... Oh, yeah. Are you see, not... I can't see you doing Oh, come that. on, oh, Dan. Are you crazy? <laughs> so, you know, yesterday there was a, a snowstorm, and uh, I got on top of this plow. Last week, everything went out in my house. My son was using his computer. Danielle was blowing her hair. Everything went out. Everything's out. No lights, nothing. And she's like... Now what? What are we going to do? And and you have to understand, I can't change a light bulb. I go, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. So the only thing I know how to do, to be honest, is I know where the circuit breakers are. Okay, that's the first thing you do. I know that. And I know how to turn them on and off. So as luck would have it, it was as simple as that. I turned on and off all the circuit breakers. Everything came on. I felt like Tim Allen. Here I am. I've, I've just been born a guy. I can do everything, you know. And I said to Danielle, I said, that's as much as I can do. And, and gonna, I don't want to do anymore. And it's going to get worse. She's like, but don't you want to? I'm like, no. So like the, uh, the two nights ago, what's for dinner? 
I go, what's for dinner? You tell me. You're the cook. Oh, 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 I'm the cook. Really? I said, well, Danielle, what do we, I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I do this show. i got 90 other responsibilities. I'm not cooking. He goes, well, don't you want to cook? I go, no. I don't want to do anything. All I want to do is four hours of radio, hang out with you and the kids, have sex, go to the gym, and that's it. I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. I don't want to know how to cook, clean, you know, part, uh, build stuff. I don't want any of it. <laughs> Plow snow. Plow snow. Are you crazy? <laughs> don't you want to do that? Look, look at our neighbor Billy. He's out there, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. I go, good for Billy. He's probably not getting up at 3 in the morning either. He's a fireman. He makes, you oh, know. he might be. I mean, God bless him. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, he's, okay, never mind. But he's not making the money I'm making. God bless Billy. I mean, I make a good living. Come on. Give me a break. Snowblower. <laughs> then I want to move back to the apartment building because at least there, you you know, you have no responsibilities. That all lies on the building. But um, anyway. Well, that's great. <laughs> Never ends. Well, let me know when you're cooking next time I'm coming over. Well, you live in an apartment building. Yeah. So you don't have a snowblower? No. Uh, no. <laughs> We're lucky we have room for a couch. <laughs> Snowblower. You have a nice building, though. I pass it every day coming home from the gym. Yeah. It's a very nice building. That's right. Right across the street from the beach. Very nice. And I'm not plowing snow. No, I know that. No. You don't do anything, right? You, they do everything for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, if we live in a condo, yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll sell the house. Okay. <laughs> hey, we got it. It comes with a snowblower. You got that too. <laughs> All right, lots, uh, lots to do today. Curtis Sliwa. <laughs> Peter King. We're going to talk to Norm Coleman and attorney Joe Murray, plus Kevin McCarthy opens a can of whoop-ass on Mayorkas and the southern border. You're going to want to hear that. Keep it right here. Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving, with me, Sid Rosenberg, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. American there. Only one. All of her friends, and I miss her. And it's not going to be the same. First time in 19 years. My daughter will not be at Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow, but she's doing very well, and I have to take solace in that. Jody Elizabeth Mize checks in on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. At Rosenberg.Sydney, she says, thanks for entertaining us about your past Thanksgivings. You are the best early in the mornings. This comes from JM756. Sid, you and the crew are hilarious. This comes from Matthew McCabe. 
get the snowplow. If you get it, then it won't snow. How about that? Yeah, some weird thing about that. Yeah. I have a neighbor named Glenn Finnegan. Get it. Who's already provided me with the number of some local guy in my uh, near my house who actually does the snowblowing stuff. My friend Jit Tom says that was a funny segment. Snowblower? LOL. Kimberly Kravitz checks in. Her father, Frankie's a great guy. Wishing us all a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And Pat P. says, great segment. You should have a generator in case your electrical goes off. That's the next thing. Yep. What do you mean that's the next thing? Well, She says her landscaper cleans the snow. What do you mean that's the next thing? Because in the homes there, I mean, you are out in the middle and the wind gets bad yeah, when there's a real storm. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't want to lose, if you don't want to be without power for yeah. hours, because yeah. it could take that. Although they're good, they're, they have been good in the last couple of years. You would it would behoove you to get a generator. Yeah. You know when I bought this house, I have a deck on the second floor, right outside of Ava's bedroom, which we redid. John Neese did it for us, and uh, did it for us a lot of money. But uh, there were two generators on the deck. Neither one of them worked. So we had to throw out like $25,000 worth of generators. Neither one of them worked. So I know I have to get that, too. And So maybe it's not so great being a homeowner. <laughs> I mean, you got it easy, man. Well, it's I see the pluses and minuses yes. a lot. This no, but the, the, the pluses do outweigh the minuses, all kidding aside. For me, at least, for me. But, um, yeah, that's stuff I do have to do. Kevin McCarthy was at it yesterday. The question is, will he be the majority speaker, right? That's the question we've raised a couple times this week with Frank Morano and uh, other guests as well. We'll talk to Peter King about it coming up at 840. But I loved what he talked about yesterday, which is the border. The border remains a huge, not a small, a huge problem. Huge. Joe Biden continues to do nothing about it and never talks about it. Never. Kamala Harris, the most embarrassing vice president in the history of our country, she's the czar of the border. She never goes. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't no laughing matter, lady. It's a disaster. Terrorists, fentanyl, we've been over this a million times. The border is a complete mess, and it's getting worse. Why is it getting worse, Sydney? I'll tell you why. Had this conversation just a couple of days ago with Judge Napolitano. There is something in place, folks. And it's called Title 42. And Title 42 came into play when COVID became a big issue. When there was COVID. Not anymore, Joan. I'm sorry, baby. When there was COVID, Title 42 came into play. And that kept out some of these migrants because we didn't want COVID coming across the border. Well, guess what's going away now? Title 42. So we've already got a tremendous influx of these people. Thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. Now it's going to get worse. So McCarthy called out Mayorkas. He is the Homeland Security guy. And he, much like Biden and Kamala Harris, see, those two don't even talk about it. This guy lies about it. He will look at you straight in the face and tell you there is no issue. Then you get this Mensa, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, who will tell you that not only are they doing a good job, but they had to fix what Donald Trump broke. And I'll say this. You can say whatever you want about Trump. You know, Bo Deedle, Peter King, all you backstabbers. 
that have turned your back on Donald Trump. One thing you can never argue, you just can't, is the great job he did at the border. Building that wall, we never, ever, ever had the amount of people there and coming in in the four years that Donald Trump was president that we've got now. So to blame Donald Trump is an outright lie. I get it. We blame Trump for everything. I get it. This one, the border, is really embarrassing. And yet, they did the same thing again yesterday. In fact, let me get to that one right away. Where is our Karine Jean-Pierre? She said the Republicans have no plan for the border. This is our Karine John cut number 13, Lewis. The question that we have for Kevin McCarthy, uh, who's soon to be who's soon to be Speaker McCarthy, um, you know, what is what is his plan? What is he doing uh, to help the situation that we're seeing? What what is his plan? He goes down there and he does a political stunt, like many Republicans do that we have seen them do, but he actually is not putting forth a plan, a plan to help us, uh, you know, deal with an issue uh, that we're all seeing that you all are reporting. That is not true. We had a plan in place. We had no issues with the border. I mean, zero, zero, Corrine John. Did they just wake up? They must have been asleep for those four years when Trump was president. So Kat Kamek on Newsmax provided a rebuttal to this Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday and tells them exactly what Republicans plan on doing. Lewis, this is cut number 14. Do we have a plan? Absolutely. And I think Kevin McCarthy laid it out perfectly today. Not only are we going to on day one fire 87,000 IRS agents, we're going to then take that money, give those resources to the Border Patrol agents. We're going to make sure that they have the financial resources that they need. Then we're going to actually enforce the laws that are on the book. And if Mayorkas won't, we will. And if he can't, then we're going to put someone in his place that will actually do the job that he has taken an oath to do. So there has been a plan in place. And I don't know what she's reading or what she's opting to omit from her remarks, but it's been clear that we've had a plan when we rolled out the commitment to America that started with border security and enforcing the laws on the book, getting the resources to the Border Patrol agents, supporting all the technology and the, 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 the resources that they need in order to have the infrastructure to stop this flow of illegals at the border. Sounds like a pretty good plan to me. So, right, I mean, very detailed, laid out like five different things. I just saw Fauci with these different masks on that he's been wearing. (laughs) He has one with a bunch of beakers and test tubes (laughs) on them. He was just dressing. Then another shot they had him. He has a a mask with a bunch of penguins on them. Oh, no, he doesn't. I swear to God, I Well, he can wear that one to Joan Hamburg's house. Because Joan is recommending if you come to meet for Thanksgiving, make sure you get tested and wear your mask. Don't come to dinner unless you have the penguin mask. Ow, ouch. So we just uh, went over what Kareen John said and the rebuttal, and they're both talking about what Kevin McCarthy talked about yesterday. Now would be a good time to play what Kevin McCarthy talked about yesterday. He held a press conference in El Paso, Texas, talking about the border crisis. And in this cut, number one, he talks about just how great the risk is right now. Lewis, Kevin McCarthy, cut number one. Our nation has never been so at risk, and their job has never been harder. Those brave men and women risk their lives every day. 
to protect the American citizens from the consequences of illegal border crossings. Together we bear witness to the worst border crisis in the U.S. history. Then he goes on to talk about what I just talked about moments ago, Title 42 about to come to an end, and this border crisis will get exponentially worse, if you can imagine that. Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number two. There has been more than 4 million illegal border crossings since Joe Biden has taken office. That's not the worst part. Now that Title 42 may end, we're bracing for a tsunami. People talk about 18,000 crossings in a day. That would mean 13 million more illegal crossings for the rest of the term of Joe Biden, if nothing changes. But don't worry. Mayorkas keeps telling you the border is secure. Kevin McCarthy says, hey, Mayorkas, you're a liar. Cut number three. Just last week, Secretary Mayorkas testified under oath that, yes, the border is secure. I'm here to tell you it is not. We spent the day with border agents. I asked each and every one if this border is secure. They laughed. They said it is not. It is one of the worst points in the history of this nation. Kevin McCarthy was grilled in front of Congress, and he made the point that, hey, hey, guys, not only fentanyl, of course, but there are terrorists, terrorists who want to kill Americans that are crossing the border. And Congress said, you're a liar. That's not true. Well, Kevin McCarthy provided details, numbers, yesterday, proving he wasn't lying. Lewis, Kevin McCarthy, cut number five. I warned, having learned from the Border Patrol agents, of the suspects on the terrorist watch list that were coming across. The amount of fentanyl that they hadn't seen in the past now coming across. We held a press conference. We advised not just the America, but to the members of Congress. Members of the Democratic Congress said I was lying, that there weren't people on the terrorist watch list. Congressman Gallegos said that, who said on armed services. Since that time period, more than 107 terrorist wow. suspects have been apprehended crossing this border. You hear that? 107 terrorists. How many terrorists took us down 9-11? 19? Right, 19? 107, folks. One can do a tremendous amount of damage. 107. But here's the good news. Republicans just won the House. And in just over a month they can really start to raise hell and make Joe Biden miserable, which they need to do over this crisis. And Kevin McCarthy, this is not a threat, folks. This is a reality. Get ready in just over a month for all hell to break loose. Kevin McCarthy, cut number six. In 42 days, a united Republican House takes control. In 42 days, we end one-party Democrat rule in Washington. A new House Republican will work to stop Joe Biden's assault on our laws, our borders, and our border agents. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena. Now, let me be clear. Those responsible for this disaster will be held accountable. Remember in the movie The Godfather when 
Clemenza, I think it was Clemenza, I may be getting the character wrong. They basically said to him, you're going to kill yourself, right? We're not going to kill you. You're going you're gonna to do the right thing here. And he ended up killing himself. That was Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen. What no, no, no. Tom Hagen was the consigliere. Well, he was talking to... Right, but who was the... He, he, right, talking he, to... Uh, wasn't Clemenza. Uh, no, he was talking to... What was uh, that guy? Uh, pa- uh, Frank... Frank Pantaleone or something. Yeah, why can't right. I think of his name? The bald guy with the hair on the sides. Yes. Anyway, that guy did kill himself. Frankie Five Fingers. Well, Kevin McCarthy is offering Mayorkas the, uh, the same type of deal. <laughs> Before we kill you, you've got a chance to do it yourself. Resign and get out of here. Or you're in big trouble. This one, Justin Alex said, this is the money shot. Kevin McCarthy, number 10. Today, I am calling on the secretary to resign. He cannot and must not remain in that position. If Secretary Mayorkas does not resign, House Republicans will investigate every order, every action, and every failure (laughs) will determine whether we can begin impeachment inquiry. If Secretary Mayorkas was in charge of any company, he would have been fired by now for the failures of what he has caused. The American public deserve more, deserve better, and expect more within their government. Enough is enough. We will do whatever it takes. And after January 3rd, no longer will members have to come down to the border to tour. We will hold our hearings at the border so the Democrats can no longer hide from the crisis they have created. Oh, my God, that was so hot. I think I love Kevin McCarthy, I swear to God. What a week. Oh, we take over. We're getting rid of Adam Schiff. We're getting rid of that anti-Semite Omar. See ya. We're getting rid of Mayorkas. We're going to impeach Biden. We're going after Hunter Biden. I mean, this is Republican porn. This is fantastic. Kevin McCarthy, you do your thing, my brother. Kevin McCarthy, an American hero. Right here on WABC, the day before Thanksgiving, giving hope to real Americans, as David Bowie is talking about here. Enough is enough. No more. Kevin McCarthy. God bless you. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. But first, many timeshare owners are very upset because their yearly dues have nearly doubled. Well, Lone Star will guarantee the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and in a specific time frame. With their A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau, clients know that Lone Star Transfer is a company you can trust. For a free consultation, please go to LoneStarTransfer.com or call 855-551-7066. On this Wednesday, the sacking of Disney CEO Bob Chapik was no surprise to your humble correspondent. I predicted it six months ago. A company that appeals to children must protect children. Getting into a public spat with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis 
over classroom alternative lifestyle lessons was as foolish a move as I've ever seen in the corporate world. And it has cost the Disney company billions in lost business. Traditional parents generally oppose teachers presenting cross-dressing, gender fluidity, and gay issues to young children. In the Muslim world, that could get you hanged. But in the world of Hollywood, it's standard procedure these days to indoctrinate children into the woke world at a very early age. The truth is that many, perhaps most, Americans have had it with woke. They are appalled at preening celebrities and executives ramming their truth down the throats of the public. So the public votes with its spending power. Apparently, Bob Chapik is not smart enough to realize that. So he's out. Robert Iger, who returns as Disney CEO, does understand the audience dynamic. He's also woke, but he'll mask it. Profits will now drive Disney. Back after this. No question there is a concerted effort to intimidate and silence conservative thinkers and replace our God-given individual liberty with big government controls. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization in America. AMAC gives you access to exclusive benefits and all kinds of great content. Please stand with AMAC at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good. Great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. I walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Thanksgiving. 
As I told you before, my sister Alana, my oldest sister, I love her. I do. I love her to death. But um, no, she's so stupid when it comes to politics. Or my brother-in-law Harry, and I know this has to get back to her. Amazingly, she's never said a word to me over the years, or complained to my other sisters. Why does my brother go on the radio and call me stupid? Because I'm not calling her stupid, of course. She's actually a very bright girl, my sister. New Paul's teacher. But when it comes to politics, she's stupid. Bottom line. My whole community upstate is stupid. Bunch of pandering white Jewish ladies with signs on their lawn like, racism doesn't live here. Well, it lives in my house, I guess. <laughs> right. Idiots. Come on down yeah. here, then. It doesn't live here. If you want to experience something. Roe versus Wade with a, with a big, you know, cross through the whole thing, you know. <laughs> So um, so we don't really see my sister much anyway these days because she spends most of her time between upstate New York and down in Florida. But for the longest time, she put on the Thanksgiving Day for my family. I used to go to her in-laws many years ago. I told you this yesterday when I was a kid. They lived on Allerton Avenue in the Bronx, Joe and Henya, two Holocaust survivors, two of the most the beautiful, the cutest couple you've ever seen. And they're probably both rolling over in their graves. I don't care if they're Democrats or not, that their son and daughter-in-law vote for people who hate Israel and hate the Jews. Tons of them. Tons of them. But we used to go to Allerton Avenue, and it was a nice time, you know. I was a young kid. I'd get all banged up tonight. This is the biggest party night of the year for single people. Because you know you got a four-day weekend coming up. Unless you're me, of course, and you have to work on a Friday. Hold on the story. Where's Phil? <laughs> so, um... We switched it, and then my sister, Alana, hosted Thanksgiving for a long, long time. And she lived in New City, in Rockland County. And it was fun. My brother-in-law, Albert, sister, Ray Sherry, would go with all their kids. My sister, Lizzie, my brother-in-law, Michael, would come up from Parkland, Florida. They would come with their kids. And it was almost like um, like the Kennedys. We'd all go outside, me and my nephews, Evan, Daniel, Eddie, all the boys, Lizzie's boys and play football. And then we'd go inside and watch the football. Lions, Dallas, whoever it was, you know. And it would be a whole day affair. We'd start the morning by going to a place uh, called David's Bagels, which is a very popular bagel place in Rockland County. And then we'd uh, do all the fun stuff. And then about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, my mother, my sisters all cooked. Like, for example, a lot would, would cook the turkey. And Ray Sherry would make... One of the uh, side dishes she made, which I love, is the string beans with the French onion dip. You know, I love that. And my mother would make an orzo, whatever it was. And we start eating about 4, 4.30. Then we'd have dessert, and then the late NFL game would come on. Harry would make a fire, have a couple of drinks, and that would be the day. And it was great. It was great. But uh, we don't do that anymore, so. Because my father died, and my sister is traveling. And so now, uh, again, it's just going to be the three of us tomorrow. Me, Danielle, and Gabe. But that's going to be great, too. It's going to be great because tomorrow is all about family. You know, I always say this is my favorite holiday. Bernie used to say the same thing. Bernie, I think, was one of those guys who actually, I said this earlier, how depressing it is to go out. He would go out to eat. He would go to Anthony Capitola's place uh, every year, um, Miller Ridge or Miller, someplace on Long Island. Not the um, not the place he owns in Eisenhower Park, Anthony. Miller Ridge, I think. But sounds, he would go there with Carol. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Miller Ridge. Miller Ridge. Yeah. So what are you thankful for, Lewis, on this um, Thanksgiving holiday? Oh, well, I'll give you something right now you got to be okay. thankful All for. Right. I'm going to give it to you right now. Give it to me. Just a year ago, 
you were working on the worst morning show that God ever created. And I was thankful for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and now a year later, you're back with me and Bernie for a short time. Yeah, that's too. an easy one to pick. That was easy. That right? was easy. That's yeah. a thankful one right there. What else you got? Um, thankful for MJ. Yeah, she's a good kid. Yep. She's a good girl. I'd be in a lot of trouble without her. How long are you together now? 16 years? Yeah. How wow. do you know? Wow, you remember. I remember, that. yeah. 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 I don't know how she did it, but. <laughs> you're alarm, easy. Alarms going off. You're though. easy. You really are. You're not, you're not, you're, yeah, you don't, you don't ask for a lot. No, I don't ask for a lot. No, you don't, That's so. Not much. Yeah. You're a cute couple, you guys. You guys. Like, I can't imagine. Like, sometimes you see a couple and you can never imagine. Either one of them with anybody else. You're like that for me, you and MJ. Like, you and her and, and her and you, that's, it's perfect. Is she listening? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably. You, you yeah, get, probably. So oh, you get some oh, action today. That's yeah. so great. Right before Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for MJ. That's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I knew that was, that'll score me something. But that's the easy one. Yeah. Like, of course, I'm thankful for Danielle and my children and all that stuff. But anything else you want to? No, I'm thankful for working yeah. here. I love it. You do love it, right? Yeah, I love it. I love, Did you love, I love working... everybody here. That's no, you don't love this. everybody here. No. This, is where you, this is where I lose you. Every... You don't. You don't like Greg I'll, Kelly. All right, I'll explain it. Yeah, everybody in this orbit right here, right now, right here, right here. There's like three you, of us, like you and Justin. Right, right you there. love us. Yes, right. Of course. Right. I mean, I do. But that's there's a lot of people one. you don't I love, like. I love Deb. I love right. you too, Lewis. I love. Uh, I love Phil. I'm glad uh, Justin loves me. Yeah, I love Phil. Well, yeah. you and I are like I know brothers. Justin does not like Phil. Why do you love Phil? Oh, there is there is a sibling rivalry that is brewing because you know the other one feels like the other one is getting too much attention from us. So whether it's Phil the way he feels about Justin or Justin the way he feels about Phil, there is seriously something brewing here. I feel it. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's coming stronger from one side or the other. Too. Uh, which side is the stronger side? I I think actually Justin harbors more resentment. I totally agree. I, I totally I think agree. I see because, well, that's because Phil, well, the last why, couple of weeks, is becoming a bigger and bigger star and getting oh, more airtime. Oh, that's why. That's and that's annoying. Because <laughs> Justin, poor Justin, comes in and does sports. Justin does, I would say, 80% of the work before the show. Yeah, that's an easy number. Right. He's great. Yeah, that was easy. And then once the show starts, <laughs> 80, at least 80. they got him cutting up sound for Greg Kelly, and he doesn't even like Greg Kelly. No. 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 Doesn't even like him, no, so no. he's in the back there cutting up some stupid Newsmax stuff. Yeah, and Phil is on the air becoming a star. <laughs> this guy wants to become a star, and he's cutting up Greg Kelly and Donald Trump. Well, Phil's <sighs> going. Uh, I, I actually did not hear you say that. <laughs> I actually don't know that. Now, Lou may be right. I, you probably are harboring some resentment about I don't that. have any resentment towards uh, Why do you? Why do you have to do the Greg Kelly stuff? Does he have his own producer? N- yeah, they do. He does, actually. Has a, <laughs> so what's funny? Why do you ask? You know, I gotta, I, listen, i got, I got to say this about Greg Kelly. He's a nice kid. He's fine. I love his father, but he, like, Greg's a bit of a douchebag. So, so Greg is talking about Donald Trump thanked my cousin yesterday, Norm Coleman. Everybody in the world knows that he's my cousin. I miss used to make fun of that years and years ago. He called my cousin Frankenstein. And he's like, I'm not putting your stupid cousin on. Nobody loses to Jesse Ventura and Al Franken and comes on my show. I mean, everybody knows Norm Coleman and Sid Rosenberg are first cousins. Katsimatidis loves that. So Greg Kelly goes on a whole thing about Norm Coleman and Donald Trump and doesn't even mention me. Play this. This is cut number 21. 21. 
I want to thank you also, and it's an honor to be with you. I've been with you many times and speak with everybody at the Republican Jewish Coalition. I want to thank Matt Brooks and Norm Coleman, Norm Coleman very, yeah. very much, and also the members and staff and supporters of the RJC for their tireless work advancing our values and for their incredible devotion to the Jewish community and to the Republican Party. I got to tell you, I listened to all these speeches. I listened to Trump's last. And I was like, wait a second, Norm Coleman? Yeah. Norm cousin. Coleman is there? My cousin, Wait, yeah. the yeah. former Republican senator from Minnesota? That's right. Norm Coleman? <laughs> yeah, that's him. Huh. Sid's cousin. It, it, it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Donald Trump acknowledges him and the rest of them just... Why shouldn't he? Just in a, in a rush to sell. Sell. Right. Right, so, so there's sell. two things there that annoyed the hell out of me. First of all, he was almost bothered, Greg Kelly, that Trump mentioned my first cousin. Yeah, clearly he was. Right. And yeah. second of all, at no point does he mention we're cousins, not because he's being malicious, because he doesn't know. Because he's in his own world, his own bubble. There's a whole world going on outside of Greg Kelly. <laughs> but he's not aware of it. None of it. I mean, don't be afraid to pay attention. <laughs> my God. Anyway. Justin, your thoughts? My, I mean, my thoughts. Are you kidding? Justin I, can't stand them. I have to go back in there and get brainwashed. You got to see his face. Like, I'll walk past him to go to the bathroom. We just had a great segment. Louis lamping. I'm lamping. I'm getting texts from people. And he looks like he wants to kill himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. many more. So why don't you tell me you don't want to do it anymore? Because Who's it's making my job. You do this? It's part of my job. Who's making you do this? I, uh, well, is it Leany? Yeah, my boss, my, my boss is making this. Tell is my, no. This is part of my T- job. Tell him, though. No. It's not your job. Yeah, I know. No. no. Well, I mean, no. I, listen, I, when I'm, when I, obviously this show, obviously, is yeah. the priority. So if there's something that needs to be done for this show, I get that done first. Well, I'm not saying you don't. But, You're a wonderful right. worker. Wonderful. But, it, but you I, spend more time when I'm here in the mornings. Working on Greg's show than this one. Uh, it's equal. It's close. It's, it's like three uh, hours and three hours. No, 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 no. no, I, no, spend, no. I spend much more time on this show. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. It only takes me about because I because I watch it in four times in, in four times speed. <laughs> so, I, I see him fast forward. He talks yeah. like Alvin yeah. and the Chipmunks. Yeah. I'm like jumping through the damn thing as fast as I possibly can get through it. So oh, it only it only takes me about a half an hour, forty five minutes. But. All right. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Come on. Let's do this, Louie. Let's do it. Barbara Salerno Ferrone says, Sid, I'm dying laughing. This show has become like the old Diamond shows. Hilarious. That clip of the day at the mass COVID story couldn't have been better time. John Cirillo says, I am thankful for you every morning. And I do want to send a shout-out to two dear friends of mine, Dana Rubin and her fiancé, Antonio, listening live right now in Boca Raton, Florida. So, 840, Congressman Peter King, we had a great dinner together last night. We'll talk about that. 905, Norm Coleman. Somebody needs to let Greg Kelly know he's my first cousin. God. Uh, 925 attorney Joe Murray. But right now, here he is, the man at WABC on every weekday, 1215 to 1, all weekend long. A guy that I uh, I really call a radio legend, an icon, the great Curtis Sliwa. So I got a text here, Curtis, and it comes from, talking about great attorneys, uh, Joe Murray. This is Arthur Idala. And he says, and I quote, Crazy Curtis said last night on his show 
that I am the one coordinating the dinner between the two mayors as per your request. Dot, dot, dot. He's nuts. That's Arthur Idala's contention. Just want you to know that. Yeah, the, he's a crybaby. Look, look at it. He, he was there. <laughs> he represented Harvey Weinstein, the perv of all pervs, right? How does he look at himself in the mirror in the morning? He got money. I understand that, but this guy's the word. Look at him in Los Angeles now, woman after woman after And so there's Judge Burke presiding, right, James Burke, appointed by Rudy Giuliani, one of the few law and order judges that exist any longer. So Arthur goes to his crooked friend, Frank Carone, chief of staff. Hold on a second. Isn't that Eric Adams' friend, too, Frank? They're all friends. Well, don't call them crooked. These are my friends. What's Come the on, matter with I you? I grew up with them. Come on, you know that, Sid. They're Canarsie. I grew I up with them. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he goes to Carone, chief of staff. He goes, whack that guy. Uh, don't sign him up again because they got to go for a five-year hitch. So they whacked him because Arthur Idella was so upset <laughs> that the guy treated him. And little mama looked at him. Oh, he yelled at me in court. So this is serious. They I whacked you, him. Wait, but, but, but I thought you and Arthur were friends. This is a... You're serious about hey, this. Hey, come on. You know me. I go after friends and foes equally, right? <laughs> I know. I go to war with everybody. Right. But, but you, you remember Joe Barilli. Oh, I thought you were my friend. What happened with that? Is that is that still as ugly as it was? He called you an ingrate. You didn't like that. Oh, no, you called. No, he called you an ingrate. That's right. You didn't like that. You, you thought uh, that was a bit over the top. Uh, I, I sort of misinterpreted it. I thought he was talking about incest or something <laughs> like that. I have no idea. Yeah. But anyway, I want you to know on a better note. That I've actually gone out of my way, uh-huh. and I bought you a Hanukkah present. You did? Yes. Hanukkah, Hanukkah hasn't present. started yet. But... Doesn't matter. Uh, okay. My kids will remind me, my, my two youngest kids, Is Carter and Hunter. Is kids Jewish? Two of them. They're both Jewish. Carter and Hunter, right? Now, right. Now, which wife was this? Uh, let me see. <laughs> Hold on. Jesus. Almost as many as uh, Eric Adams, your friend, has women now you know, on the this payroll is what he of the does. city he, This is New what York. he does. He can't go five minutes without saying well, well, something terrible about my friend, Lisa the mayor. White, right? She was making $30,000. He, he now has her on staff as a deputy mayor making $240,000. Yes, because, because she is worthy of that position. Well, She's I, a very bright lady. Wait, wait. In the papers <laughs> today, it says, well, I rented a room from her in the Jackie Robinson apartments yeah. for four years. What is this renting a room? <laughs> you were fornicating and copulating with her. Come on. Is that true? I don't have any well, confirmation you're, you're, of that. Look, I don't you're know the one who has this. By the yeah. way, I was very interested at the uh, end of your conversation on Friday because I listen intently, uh, and whatever, uh, whatever I can hear, your uh, listeners write you out to me like there's no Oh, tomorrow. they can't wait. They, by the way, it's, it's the same thing with you. As soon as you say yes, something, yes. my phone blows they up. They eat the Parmesan cheese, <laughs> and I love it. They eat the Parmesan cheese. And that's not racist, Italians. Oh, God. I had, a, I had a bunch of the Supreme <laughs> Cuisine Gavon say, that's racist. Uh, that's right. What, Parmesan cheese? Everybody eats Parmesan. Everybody and does. in fact, you know, it's a good restaurant when they leave the Parmesan cheese at the table. Not the craft Parmesan cheese. They leave it in the there. bowl. In the bowl. That's in the bowl. Right. With, a, with a spoon. Right. Yeah, right. but when right. the waiter right. comes over and he goes, how great the cheese. Those, uh, they got alligator arms. Right. Those are the ones that give you exactly three sugars exactly. for your espresso. I hate that. That's so right. what did you hear at the end of the Eric Adams interview? That, oh, uh, Mayor, he, Mayor you know, Eric Adams. Maybe next time yeah, that's we get up. together. That's coming up soon, yes. Me and Tracy will right. take you and Daniela. Top of it, Tracy. Two weeks. Tracy, the phantom woman that supposedly he shares a condo with at apartment 22H over there in Fort Lee. She's only been out with him one time. Remember at the Met 
where your Joseph Abood would have impaled himself with his cutting scissors. Remember that outfit? You know, banned guns, the most ridiculous thing I ever saw in my life. That was unfortunate. Yeah, but uh, the point was that was the only time we ever saw Tracy. (laughs) He's juggling all these women. She doesn't like the limelight, Curtis. Not everybody wants to be a star. And by the way, he shares a co-op in Prospect Heights with another woman named Sylvia Cowan. Yes. Who just happens to have purchased a condo underneath a Department 22H in Fort Lee. This is freaky deaky, said. I don't know what you want me to say here. I'm not familiar with all these. Can you uh, tell this guy to get his house in order, man? He's juggling too many. Man. No, He's no, a no, actually, it was a complete opposite. I showed this to Justin and Lou this morning. I sent them a text on the way to dinner to Peter King last night, and I sw- I'll show it to you. The text read, don't worry about the New York Post column. It's complete BS. Don't let the Eppers get you down. I can't believe this. Yes, and he said to me, and I quote, he said, never, and he put the LOL signal. So not only did I reach out, but I actually defended him and told him, don't let people like that. Hold on. Okay, sure, sure. This woman's made $30,000 a year, Lisa White. Well, she was underpaid. And now she's, she's a very bright woman. Two hundred and forty-two thousand. She, she deserves All of a sudden, it. she's a deputy mayor. And you know what she's in charge of? No. Mental health and morale for thirty-four thousand NYPD cops. Good. We need that. Yeah. What's she going to do? I don't know. Is she going to sexually pleasurize these guys before they go out on duty? Let's start there. Come on. <laughs> what are you out of your mind, Sid? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the 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 the, the minutia. He's of got this a harem. Stuff. An she, entire he's... harem. He's putting them on the payroll. You know, you clearly don't like this guy. And uh, now your credibility is shot because everything that he does, you just go after him for. This is a very bright lady, certainly deserving of this position. She was underpaid in a lousy job for years. He sees the potential, and he gave her an opportunity. And he rent- That's America. And he rented a room from her at the Jackie Robinson housing <laughs> complex in Crown Yeah, you believe did that, he, Did he get the room for free? Well, he claimed, <laughs> they claim he paid for it, right? Okay, Saul, what do you want? Come on. What? Sid, Sid. What? Where were you? you were born in Brooklyn, Sid. I was, yes. Okay? Yeah. Your mama did not raise an idiot. Well, it depends, but God. Well, in some areas, <laughs> yes, but not in these kind of areas. And by the way, you know, I, I really went out of my way to get you a great Hanukkah present. So what is this gift? Well, because done? remember, my sons, Carter and Hunter, both Jews, yeah. uh, they remind me, Daddy... It's not one present, it's eight presents. I said, what are you talking about, eight presents? One present a day for Hanukkah. And then we better get a Christmas present. I said, Christmas present and Hanukkah presents? And do you have a Christmas tree in your house? Don't tell the rabbi. Shh, don't tell the rabbi. Yep, 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 yep. Well, what is this? This is well, like, I, I, I had the same this is thing. like a shakedown. I know I celebrated them both also. In fact, I got a great story for you, Curtis. You'll appreciate this. When I went to Poly Prep. And all the kids were Italian, you know. You mean with Arthur Idella? Uh, he was a year before me. Mm. I was with Joe Takapina. So there was like five Jewish kids in my class. And one of the Jewish kids was a kid named Lyle Wilpon. His uncle, Fred, owned the Mets. Oh, you mean the Wilponsies? Correct. Uh, Bernie Madoff? Oh, yes. by the way, the newest Bernie Madoff is that, <laughs> that kid who looks like he's 15 years old that fell out of a bunk bed. Oh, that kid, I know, camp. I know. So well, so Lyle lived on Toad Hill and Slauson, yes. Staten Island, and uh, very Jewish people. And the parents were thrilled he met a Jew at Poly Prep. Long story short, we also celebrate Christmas. And my neighbor, Lou Iavine, would run his reindeer over my roof as well. So one day, Lyle's... Dyke Heights, yeah? The same type of thing. But oh, we, yeah, but we man, were on, but, Every block is but, sort of like, oh, my God, it's... Uh, it's all beautiful, right? But we were on East 22nd and Quentin. So one day, Lyle's mother drives me home. 
And uh, she pulls up in front of the house and she goes, is that, is that reindeer on your roof? I go, yeah, yeah, nice, right? She looks inside. She goes, and do I see a, is that a Christmas tree inside your house? And I go, <laughs> I go, yeah. He was not allowed to be my friend after that. We didn't talk for 11 years. The mother actually went nuts that he found one Jewish kid at Pauly Prep, and I celebrated Christmas. Just, shun, That's right. Right. just like well, your you should have told her, look, I'm a Jew for Jesus now. I go to St. <laughs> Patrick's Cathedral like once a week, right? I do do that, yes. By the yes. way, uh, I did get you the book uh, by Michelle Obama, Becoming. will <laughs> be arriving. You, you were, you're with, like, Bill O'Reilly. Oh, Michelle oh Obama. Oh, my God, Michelle Obama. What is wrong She's with She's going to run for president. She's going to kill us. Her biggest thing is, you know, my hair is now natural. Can I explain to you why That's it's fine. natural? They love her. She'll beat Trump and DeSantis by a mile. By the way, you love Eric Adams, and I noticed that, what do you mean I love that Eric his Adams? controlling agent yeah. uh, all of a sudden took to the bully pulpit on Saturday, Al Slim, Shady Sharpton, and pimp slapped you down. Me? Basically, he was telling Eric Adams, who was right next to him, who was like the cat that swallowed Tweety Bird, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> Uh, because you attacking the brother here like you attacked David Dinkins, we're going to end up with another Rudy Giuliani. There went your king-making status and arranging a sit-down between Eric Adams and Mike Humbadichich, Rudy funny, Giuliani. Funny you would bring that up courteously. Well, you're a genius. Just so happens that the aforementioned Rudy Giuliani was on this show yesterday. And I you listen. know that because... Yes, you listen. And you know that because you and Rudy called me together... The day before at 10 to 3. And why was Rudy calling? He wanted to come on the show. That exact cut that you're talking about, I played for Rudy. And I said, Rudy, do you still want to meet Eric Adams, the mayor, for dinner? And he said, you know this, you listened, absolutely. So, no. Let me get this straight. Eric Adams, who looks at you like you're... First of all, he's Mr. Mayor Eric Adams. Yeah, a cracker. You're the cracker. I got that cracker back. (laughs) Uh, you mean to tell me, yeah. if given the choice between siding with Al Slim Shady Sharpton, his yeah. mentor, his controller, he's like the little puppet on the on the <laughs> on the, uh, the the strings of Al Slim Shady Sharpton, he's going to side with you, the cracker Jew, against Al Slim Shady Sharpton? Ain't going to happen. No, you're wrong because he's already got all those Democrats like Al Sharpton. Now the game is, how do I get uh, bipartisan support? He needs so you. So if I get Sid and Rudy Giuliani and these guys, mm. then if he's got larger aspirations to do more, uh, now so he's amenable to both sides. He needs you to get all the other crackers. Let and, me make it very, very clear to you. Everybody yes. needs me. Everybody. Well, well, Whether it's the mayor, WABC, you, Danielle. Yeah. Because you are the ratings leader, and yeah. I am so far by behind. Far, by the way, I'm number yes. two, by the way. Right. You're uh, number two, yes. Yeah, and, and, and you're, you're number two in sales, too, also far behind me. Right. Right. But sorry. you've lapped us. You've lapped <laughs> all of us. He realizes he's done the analytics. You want white people, you want Jews, you want Irish, you want Italians who hate Eric Adams. You, hilarious. you got to be a friend to Sid Rosenberg. Yeah. You gotta bamboozle him. Because the the left wing, the DSA, AOC is coming after him the next time he wants to run. That's true. And so Sid can help lead the delegation like Moses from the promised land. All the Altakaka Jews, the Irish, the Italians will follow Sid to back Eric Adams. Over my freaking dead body, Sid Rosenberg. And I've done everything to prevent a sit-down between my, oh, my teach Rudy Giuliani, oh, and Eric Adams. Oh, and you know I've been lobbying him against that. 
Did you see how I took him around the shoulder? I, I escorted him in. I said, Rudy, you Oh, he was this. cracking up. It was a great picture. You know picture. how to do this? Remember, oh, yeah. remember, yeah. whoever yeah. arranged the meeting with <laughs> Barzini, he is ultraditor. I think, you know, I think you're getting better. Well, you bring better. you bring the best out of me. I, I don't know how because this yeah. is competitive. It's going to take me two years to get you in the ratings. All right. all right, but I'm coming. In fact, I'm working tomorrow all day. I'm working Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every extra hour I work, I get a little closer to you in the ratings. Sid, not true. I'm uh, December on your back. December fourteenth, as we go to break here. Write that date down. December fourteenth. Okay. You know what that is? Uh, what? That's the night that Rudy, Mayor Adams. Sydney and Curtis. You, Curtis. Oh. Go for dinner. Oh, very good. And then I'll have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Fino 806, Wednesday morning, hump day, day before Thanksgiving. We want to wish all of you a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Watching myself on TV right now. You know, we don't we do not do what we used to do. We used to um, air this radio show in its entirety, four hours a day, on the video stream. You remember that, me and Bernard. Again, God rest his soul, and um, very sorry to Carol, Brendan, and Melanie, their first Thanksgiving. This is going to be a very tough holiday season for them. I actually texted Carol last week and said, please, please, you want to have dinner with me and Danielle, Thanksgiving, Christmas without Bernard. It's going to be very tough. And it was about this time last year where he was starting to experience some symptoms. And then, of course, after the Christmas holiday, when um, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe went to the Diplomat Hotel in Florida, that's when he was, I guess, initially diagnosed, but... We had no idea what the next 11 months were going to provide. And uh, right away, it was an issue. The first uh, January, I think he missed a week, February a week, and then eventually, uh, despite a courageous, I mean, really courageous battle, he uh, stopped coming to work, I guess, around July or August, I forget, and then we lost him, tragically, in October. So this is a, uh, it's rough, you know, like I said, uh, last time I saw my father alive was on Thanksgiving and uh, this is about the time Bernie started feeling lousy last year, and uh, my daughter's away in college. So it's, uh, it's a bittersweet um, holiday for me, but it's still overall a beautiful holiday because I will spend it with my, my wife and my son, and, and um, she'll make dinner for the first time in many, many years, as I stated earlier. We'll watch football. We'll do all the, all the great stuff that we do here in America to make this a, a great day. And I've got an awful lot to be thankful for, an awful lot. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not even close. Um, I'm always a work in progress, always. 
you know, I've had so many um, issues in my life, and, and, and I've done a really good job of eradicating just about all of them. Um, but I'm always a work in progress. But overall, if you would have said to me a couple of years ago, I'd be where I am today, and my family for that matter, I would have said you were nuts. Remember, I was doing a radio show in a broom closet in Pompano Beach. Now, I knew I was great. I knew I was one of the best hosts in the country. I deserve better. But I put myself in that position. I never blamed anybody else. But it weighed on me. So I'm very thankful on this holiday, even though some of it makes me a bit melancholy. But uh, for a lot of you folks out there, just uh, go out there and rip it up. You know, get together with the family and eat and laugh and don't worry about the politics. You know, I told you, he said, send out an email, my family. No politics talk. And it, it was good for about three hours. Yeah, and eventually, <laughs> no, it never worked. Because somebody would just, it would be like an innocent, you know, remark or something, you know. Like, oh, look at that. They're strong. Oh, 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 you couldn't wait to say that, right? You know, these, three hours. These were less expensive when Trump was out of office. <laughs> exactly. Hey, how'd you buy two turkeys this year? Well, on the Biden, you know, and the next thing you know, it'll explode. Oh, explodes, you so. know how the economy, the gas yeah. prices? Oh. Stay away from it. Just do yourself a favor and, and just talk about uh, everything else, you know, whatever, the your job and uh, football and college football and all the things that don't matter because or else it's going to be a disaster. And part of the reason, to be completely honest, why my family doesn't get together anymore, beyond the, the real reason, which is just logistically it's very difficult to travel, is a lot of us don't want to hear each other. <laughs> And we're at the point now, it's like, well, we're too old. You don't care anymore. Like, for you're obligated. So for years, you do it. You're just obligated to do it. And then you get to the point, you're like, wait a second, I'm 56. I'm not doing it anymore. I want some peace. So I'll have that uh, peace coming up tomorrow. You'll be, you'll be amazed how relieved you feel. No, I know. You're no, it's been a couple of years since I've done the, uh, the fighting, the, uh, the whole family fighting thing and all that nonsense. So. And then I worry about Danielle because she's just, a, you know, she's ready to go at any time. It does not take a lot for Danielle, as Peter King and Rosemary and Melissa Zim saw last night and have seen before. You know, my wife works really hard at controlling herself, but she will rip your head off. And you know that, Lewis. Two seconds. Yep. So I sometimes I, I'm not even worried about myself. I'm worried about, oh, my God, no are problem. they going to tick off Danielle? No. So we used to carry this show live for four hours a day, but now we only do it during interviews. So, for example... When Curtis was in here, you can watch that later on Twitter, on Instagram. And the graphics are still great, as good as it ever was. There was a reason why we stopped carrying the whole show in its entirety. And it was a good reason. It was a good reason that John and Chad uh, explained to me. But uh, I still like it when I see the videos every day. Like I said, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, we'll have Peter King this hour. That'll be on the Internet. Lydia. That segment is always on the Internet. Norm Coleman, Greg Kelly, that's my first cousin, by the way. Uh, that'll be on the Internet. <laughs> Jesus. That's alert. Can you play this one more time? It's a, Again, two things that annoyed me about this cut. One is, for some reason, Greg Kelly seems almost annoyed. I don't know why that Donald Trump mentioned my cousin Norm. He should know that Norm is the guy that has run that organization for years, and nobody has been a better friend to Israel, maybe outside of Donald Trump, than my cousin Norm Coleman. Why does he sound so aggravated? And again, doesn't even mention the fact that Norm and I are related. I'm the top host at the station. Curtis is a distant second, trust me. He knows that. And you don't mention the fact that he's my cousin? 
So play this again so I can get aggravated again, please. I want to thank you also, and it's an honor to be with you. I've been with you many times and speak with everybody at the Republican Jewish Coalition. I want to thank Matt Brooks and Norm Coleman very, very much, and also the members and staff and supporters of the RJC for their tireless work advancing our values and for their incredible devotion to the Jewish community and to the Republican Party. I got to tell you, I listened to all these speeches. I listened to Trump's last. And I was like, wait a second, Norm Coleman? Yeah. Norm Coleman is there? Yeah. Wait, the former Republican senator from Minnesota? Yeah. That Norm Coleman? Yes. Huh. I, it, it, it was. So? And Donald Trump acknowledges him and the rest of them just. Why shouldn't he? Just in a, in a rush to sell. What sell, is your point? Sell themselves. Who knows what else they'll sell. What was his point? Well, he's. He was what? He was the head of that organization. Of course he's going to mention him. What are they doing? Well, what is there? the point? What was he upset about there? <laughs> I don't get it. What am I missing? I don't understand the no. whole thing. All right, whatever. I Got enough know. of that. I don't know. But it's, it's always funny, though, to see you get completely... Well, I just don't know. Like, like he was offended that Trump was mentioning Norm Coleman. Justin, you cut that up. What was that about? What was, what was Kelly upset about? Well, I think I could speak on it now that I've basically turned into um, Greg Kelly in the last 15 yeah. minutes. Um, I'm not sure he was uh, necessarily upset. I think he was honestly, I, I, I guess he just hadn't heard that Trump had acknowledged him and maybe he hadn't heard Norm's name in a while. And that surprised him. But I don't think he was, like, upset. He sounded upset. Of like, he why always, would he be mentioning Norm Coleman? Why? Hey, when's the last time you talked to Greg Kelly and he didn't sound upset? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, I saw this bit the other day. And I hate playing this because I'm on record saying this many, many times, but it won't matter. Because people will still put on the Internet today, oh, Sid, he's a closet liberal. He loves Barack Obama. I couldn't stand Barack Obama. In my lifetime, as eloquent and elegant as Barack was, he was the most feckless leader we've ever had. The economy moved at a snail's pace. Yeah, he saved the auto industry. He borrowed a billion by the billions of dollars. Obamacare nearly destroyed this whole country. And by the way, put my father out of business, my late great father. I couldn't stand Barack Obama, and I still can't. In fact, I can't stand his wife either. So whoever called whatever show that was and said Sid is uh, voting for Michelle Obama, I mean, come on. But with all that said, when the guy speaks... He's great. And he did a skit the other night with this loser, Stephen Colbert. And Obama was, he was perfect. They sat down and did this, like, little mock job interview. So somebody sent me this. And I watched it. Why not? And I thought it was actually pretty good. So even though we don't like Barack Obama or Michelle Obama or Stephen Colbert, I thought this was actually pretty funny. So you'll play it, Lewis. Cut number 19. Hello, Mr. Obama. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Close enough. Okay. Uh, let's see. Pa, 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 pa. I don't see any promotions for the last eight years. That's not always good. Can you explain that? Honestly, there wasn't a lot of room for advancement in my last job. Uh, the only one with a more powerful position was my wife. Okay. Oh, good. Uh, can you tell me about some of your accomplishments? And keep in mind, it's important to describe them in such a way that it highlights how your experience might be relevant to a potential employer. Okay. Well, uh, I brokered international deals that slowed the impact of climate change and prevented Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon. 
Okay, let's change that to proficient in Microsoft Excel. <laughs> Anything else? Well, I reopened relations with Cuba for the first time in 50 years. Mm, I'd call that one conversational Spanish. See? Okay. Still right? Uh, it says here, let me see if I got this right. It says here, you saved the American auto industry. Yeah, but nobody believes it. Change that to drive stick. Oh, that's good. That's good because you want to be a long-haul trucker. Okay. Uh, it also says here, you, you helped tens of millions of Americans with their health care. Oh, God. You bet. Okay. Your biggest weakness is? Well, sometimes when I talk, I take too many pauses. <laughs> That's pretty funny, right? And the, the best part was he never came out of character. Well, he, he never smirked. Right. Nothing. Well, that is the idea. I know. Idea. You're not supposed to. I know, but he actually, he was actually able to pull it off, so. Okay. So here's a song that they did on uh, one of these TV shows. I'm not sure which one. But any parent out there that has a child coming home for Thanksgiving, which I don't have because Ava's not coming home. She'll stay in Wales. But a lot of you folks out there have a child coming home from college, specifically a daughter that you haven't seen in a couple of months. And she's coming home, and she automatically will take over the house. That's how daughters are, especially daughters coming home from college. This is a rap song, My Daughter's Coming Home for Thanksgiving. Play it, Lou, cut number 20. We're home for Thanksgiving, y'all. And our parents are real happy to see us. So they're going to treat us like queens. This may be their house. But for the next four days, we've got to run this bitch. Walk in the door, hand my bag to the valet. In case you're wondering, it's my dad day. Head straight to the fridge like a boss, yo. Hell yeah, my mom went to Costco. Ain't in my house, but I'll tear it up. Get a plate real dirty, won't clean it up. Then I roll up to the washer laundry game. I'm not gonna do a hold up for just one size. Cause I'm a back home baller. If I want something, I just holler. I do what I want and I get what I want. Cause my parents miss their daughter. There you have it, the rap song, My Daughter's Coming Home from College. And finally, one of the great Thanksgiving movies. I know we played a little bit of Dewey Cox the last couple of days, which is a funny movie, but a really emotional scene. I'm not comparing it to It's a Wonderful Life for Christmas, that great movie, but I think you'd agree for a dopey comedy, for a dopey comedy, planes, trains, and automobiles, when John Candy shows up at Steve Martin's house and Steve invites him in for Thanksgiving, that's a bit of a tearjerker scene, yes? Yeah. It after, is, right? After a crazy movie, it has a very uh, bitter, melancholy end. It does, but it's sweet, right? Uh, yeah, I loved it. I saw it movie. So we'll break and go to Lou Dobbs, Lydia, and Peter King with this very emotional scene, Thanksgiving scene from the great comedy with John Candy and Steve Martin, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Del, what are you doing here? You said you were going home. What are you doing here? I, uh... I don't have a home. Marie's been dead for eight years. Boy, you are one lucky guy, Neil. Look, I won't stay long or anything. Maybe I'll just come in and say hi, and then I'll be on my way, all right? Just come on. Kiddo. Daddy! 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 Daddy!
Griffith, I want you to meet my father-in-law, Walt. My mother-in-law, Peg. Hi. My mother, Joy. Well, my dad, Mark. Good to see you. How you doing? Welcome, Bill. Hey, guys, Neil Jr. This is my little Jim, Marty. And somewhere around here is my little baby boy, Seth. Oh. <laughs> is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Uh, this report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. You know, Sid, Dr. Fauci, the illustrious Dr. Fauci, he's actually retiring at the end of December. Thank God. So I know, right? I mean, talk about misinformation. This guy is going to retire on one of the largest pensions in, I think, U.S. government history, like over $200,000 a year this guy's going Forget to Forget about making. that. The, the guy made $10 million on the COVID lie. $10 million. I know. It's so crazy. So he had a press conference yesterday at the White House with Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. And a reporter was simply trying to ask Dr. Fauci about the origins of COVID. You know, Dr. Fauci has flip-flopped. Of course, he says it came from a bat, natural origins, from a wet market, a thousand miles away from Wuhan, and a magical bat flew in. Somebody bit into it, kind of like a Spider-Man type of Marvel movie. And then all of a sudden, this pandemic exploded all across the world, killing millions of people. Or is it possible that the lab in Wuhan that was doing this kind of uh, this uh, genetic, they, what they did was they kind of took a virus and then they made it like a super powered, I guess, you know, so it could be more easily transmissible to humans. And now we know that Dr. Fauci was using taxpayer dollars to fund this lab. So, of course, he doesn't want to say it came from a lab, but it looks like it came from a lab, a lab leak. So he was questioned about it at the White House. Take a listen to how this exchange went down. It didn't go down too well. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. You're being disrespectful to your colleagues, and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead, Jeremy. 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 She has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the best person I, I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. I'm done. Simon, I'm done. I'm Simon, I'm done. I'm done with you right now. <laughs> So you had one reporter from the United States trying to simply ask Fauci, hey, what is the origin of COVID? Karine Jean-Pierre jumps in. She's like, no, 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 he's not answering that. Then another reporter, you hear him, Simon, he's a foreign reporter. He's like, listen, that's a valid question. We need to know where this virus came from. And then once again, so what are they so afraid of, Sid? Why not just answer the question? They seem to be so sure about it. Now what? They don't know? They know. We know. He knows. And he's leaving. He actually said yesterday that I will speak in front of Congress again. I've done it over 40 times in my career. I've got nothing to hide. And he's right. He doesn't because he lies. He sits up there and he lies. And um, they protect him. So they know the truth. We know the truth. But it doesn't matter. He's going to walk away into the sunset a multi, multi, multi-millionaire while hundreds of thousands Millions died because of some of the recommendations that he made. And now they're pushing for us to wear masks again. Did you hear oh, about I know. that, Yes, too? yes. I know. I know you thrilled about that one. Oh, please. You know, it's funny. You missed it this morning, but I played the Fauci stuff, and I was going on and on about the masks, and I went to break. And when I went to break, we went to the clip of the day. You can't make this up, Lydia. And the clip of the day was Joan Hamburg this morning talking about guests 
arriving at her house for Thanksgiving. And please get tested before you come, and don't be afraid to wear your masks. <laughs> oh, my God. You Imagine. can't make it up. Right Imagine. after I went off on Fauci, that was Joan Hamburg's clip of the day. I believe it. And it's like, it's curious how you always see that people that are elderly, they they are so afraid to die. Right. And well, so they drive really slow. They drive really slow because they're so afraid. They want to wear the mask. And I, I get being cautious. I get being worried. But it's going to, if it's, if you're going to be infected, you'll be infected. And the problem with the mask is we know that it doesn't, I mean, think about it. If you fart through your clothes, you can still smell the fart. So if you're sneezing or you're, you know, whatever, <laughs> coughing through your mask, the particles yeah. are going to come through. It's like a mist. Uh-huh. I mean, it can yeah. help catch those like little blobs or whatever. But unless you're wearing like the KN95 mask that really covers your entire mouth, that's almost impossible to wear for longer than 10 minutes. The mask is pointless. It's useless. So why are you wearing it? You just look stupid. Let's remind the tape just a couple of seconds here and go back to uh, your contention that if you fart with your clothes on, you still smell the fart. Yes, yeah. you do. How many times have you been sitting next to somebody? I, you know the worst part is when I get into an elevator, <laughs> yeah. and I know the person next to me just farted. It's like you cannot wait two seconds yeah. until you get off. We're in an enclosed space. I understand. Like it's one thing if you're farting down the street, right. which just happens, but yeah. to do it in an enclosed space, that is just disgusting. Hey, hey Justin, sit rude. down. Why don't you tell Lydia Justin this morning? Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, he's a fart. <laughs> he farts like a crazy person. Uh, what happened what what this morning, time? Justin, when I walked in like to try to do work for the show coming up what, what, what was the problem justin I don't know. it uh it had um my sort of stench <laughs> you know the, you, you know the control room b over there how justin how many times have i walked in there and i'm like what just died yeah. in this yeah. room yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, 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 just by the ripping, way, that, ripping that, one after the he other he doesn't stop and that is the time when you should wear a mask you're not gonna <laughs> die but, well you might you, you might need a gas mask yeah exactly yeah. right at least he warned us this morning mask, I mean, the, yeah. don't could you imagine in. poor justin his mother she he probably was so gassy as a child all the farting all the burping we got to get her on was he always <laughs> always farting and burping and all these gases emanating from his body like this i'll book her next week i'll take care of it you got it yeah <laughs> oh this will be good yeah all right well thank you that was a great report yeah, this there morning you go, thank talking you talking so about Fauci to farting but i'm right everybody sitting at home is like yeah she's right and she's she's 100 percent right so the, again re- don't forget to visit the sea fire grill in midtown manhattan uh, for romantic date night, for a corporate event, whatever you want. If, uh, they have a beautiful fireplace. They have the best seafood and the best service. Like, you'll have, like, five guys around you. You'll feel very important. TheSeafireGrill.com. All right. Great job, as always, Lydia. Check Lydia out every weekday afternoon, sitting alongside my dear friend John Katsimatidis. That great show, Cats at Night, 5 p.m. every weekday. A cast of thousands do a really tremendous show. Also, of course, he's got Cats Roundtable, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. But Cats at Night, Lydia's there. Follow Lydia on Twitter, at Lydia News. And you can follow Lydia on Instagram, at Lydia News 1. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Adrenaline running through my veins and my skeleton when you say my name and the high no it never goes away 
Like jumping out of airplanes and swimming with the sharks. That existential feeling when you're staring at the stars. There's a hurricane in my head, but the lightning in my heart makes it worth it. Yeah, I still get nervous. When you walk through the door and you look in my eyes, yeah, it feels, yeah, it feels like the very first time I could fall for you forever. I'm certain. Cause I still get nervous. What a wonderful time last When night. Um, me and Danielle had meeting Peter King, who's become a really, really close friend. It's surreal to me, but. I looked up to him for so many years, and he's one of those guys, just so you know, when I went down to Florida, and I talk about Chuck Todd all the time. I know you people hate him. That's fine. But he's one of those guys that never left me. Bo Deedle, Peter King, they'd come on my shows in Florida all the time. He's a real true friend, a loyal guy, and his wife, Rosemary's lovely, and Melissa Zim is a rock star, his driver, and the five of us had dinner at a place that Pete recommended, King Umberto's, in Elmont, Long Island. And it was a great place. Rosario, the owner, did an amazing job. And it was a cast of thousands there last night. Every big political figure from Nassau County ended up at that restaurant last night. But um, it was a great time. We've gone out with Peter before. We've done Gargiulio's. We've done Michael's. We've done King Umberto's. By the way, all three Italian restaurants. Looking forward to doing it again. Here's my friend, the great former congressman, Peter King. Pete, that was great last night. Thank you so much. Uh, I said, said that was just a great time. Rosemary loved it. Melissa loved it. Danielle, how she puts up with all of us, I don't know. <laughs> By the way, she took over the conversation. We weren't allowed to speak. I... We could, you know? <laughs> she really did, right? Oh, her and uh, Rose. Were... I think she was going to order for everybody in the place. I know. I know. No, and, and she's not even like that, but she felt very comfortable. And uh, your wife and her got into a very good education discussion and the disability with my son and all that good stuff. And then all of your political friends started showing up, even the great Joe Cairo. Joe Cairo showed up, and he's Esposito was there. No, it was a great. And then we were looking at all the pictures on the wall, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra. Rosario, he's like a one-man uh, drawing card. Everyone shows up there. As you said, Vinny Testaverde lived there. That was yes. where he lived, right around the corner. Well, he told me that, you know, Vinny lost his father a couple years ago, very tragically, to a heart attack. But Vinny's mother and sister still go to that restaurant, still. Yes, yeah, really, it's a neighborhood place. Listen, you, before you were talking about the snowblowers, it's funny you said that, because I'm like you. I am useless around the house. <laughs> and I see all these dopey snowblowers out in the street last night. Rosemary says, you know, we got to get one. It's fun. Give me a break. So the Melissa starts in, too. So all the way home, we're talking about these stupid snowblowers. Swear to God. So you went through the same thing I did. Year. You went through the same thing that I did last night. Same exactly. thing. Exactly. Oh here's the God. deal. We, we used to have this guy across the street, Bob, and he would do, he had a snowblower. He took pride in cleaning everyone's house when there's a snowstorm. Last year, we have a blizzard. Bob's down in Florida. I'm in a paddock. So Melissa <laughs> calls, and she volunteers to send her poor husband, Lance, who's a great guy, detective, over to the house. And he never snowblow. He's there with a shovel. He's shoveling oh. out the front. I feel terrible. Oh. But then he comes to the door. He says, do you have anyone else who wants their, uh, you know, the snow cleaned up? And so and then I realized he was so happy to be away from Melissa. <laughs> he was uh, clean every street in the, in the neighborhood. That's funny. And he came in the house and eating and drinking coffee with us. He was so happy to be away from her for oh, one God. afternoon. Yeah. He was willing to clean everybody's house in the neighborhood. And have a heart attack. You'd have a heart attack doing that stuff. No, but no, uh, I guess if he survived Melissa, he can survive. Oh, uh, you are right about that, man. She is, a, uh, she is something else, man. At one point last night when she started taking out all of her weapons... <laughs> 
It was just, every time, I, I got to tell you, the truth is, every time I'm with you guys, it's a, it's a lot of fun. A lot of laughs. It really is. But uh, tell me about this. Not a lot of laughs. I heard about this all morning long. What was this back and forth, not a laughing matter, on Cats at Night last night between you, your friend Bill O'Reilly, and John Katsimatidis? I know you're all friends, but it got pretty loud in there yesterday. What was that all about? No, actually, it was, uh, and again, it was a, it was a good disagreement. Uh, Bill was talking about how when the, the special counsel gets into the case in Washington, he's going to find there's FBI agents there, and somehow implying that's why the whole disturbance, the, the, sorry, the whole riot, whatever you want to call it, started, the attack on the Capitol. And I said, listen, Bill, there may have been eight FBI agents, and there's no way that eight guys, first of all, are going to work against their own government and uh, you know, be able to control thousands of people. I mean, that's just, right. they were there, and, and they screwed up. That's one thing. Right. But to blame them for what happened is, is, is crazy. So anyway, we went back and forth. But it was, you, know, you get two Irish guys, and uh, <laughs> we don't know how to be nice to each other. Right. Irish guys have to fight. You know? And you guys and are way, friends. That, that's even better when you're friendly and you still have a disagreement. Right. But then I, did, did I hear corruptly that John Katsimatidi sided with O'Reilly over you? Yeah, he sort of did. He was saying oh. that the cops were people in. So we were going back and forth. But again, Funny. John's a great boss. Uh, you know, Bill, Bill's a good friend. But what bothered me last night, though, pretty much the Irish, the ethnic slur, you started giving me a hard time for drinking beer. You said I was like, <laughs> Irish guy wait, wait, a second, wait a second, wait a second. You show up at an Italian restaurant. Now, you're wearing a Notre Dame jersey, but it doesn't say Notre Dame. All it says is Irish. And you're drinking beer, and you're wearing an Irish shirt. And all I said was, can you feed into the stereotypes anymore? Next time we go for dinner, I'm going to wear a sweatshirt that says just Jew. <laughs> well, I, I need psychological help. I'm a very sensitive soul. And yes. I'm very woke. I know. I know. And all these, all these insults really, really bother me. And then, uh, what can I tell you? <laughs> no, not, not, not even a little. To me, that was like. America at its best, because people enjoying themselves. Yes. We didn't care what we said. We didn't nope. worry about offending anyone's nope. feelings. Just a great time. It was just fun. You know, John Tobacco checks in, my buddy. He says, Chris Ruddy, the CEO of Newsmax, maybe you, didn't, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. Chris Ruddy, the CEO of Newsmax, used to be the bartender at King Umberto's. Yeah, well, it's true. It's true. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, didn't know, I, I, I knew Chris. I didn't know he was the bartender then. But I found it out later because uh, you know, Rosario's told me that and Chris has told me that. And, you know, Chris has gone back in there you know, to see Rosario. Yeah, he was uh, – Chris Ruddy is a real uh, up-to-the-bootstraps guy. I mean, he uh, went to school in Long Island. He lives in Nassau County. His father was a Nassau County cop. And now, of course, he has Newsmax. Yeah, but he worked in uh, King Umberto's. How about that? So Kevin McCarthy came out and spoke yesterday. Peter, looks like he'll be the – the speaker there, the majority for the Republicans in the House. And uh, he, you know, he said a couple of days ago, if I get that position, I'm getting rid of Swalwell on the Intel Committee. I love that. I'm getting rid of Adam Schiff. I love that. Goodbye to Omar Foreign Affairs. I love that. And yesterday, he went DEFCON 5, to quote Kanye West, on Mayorkas and said, we're going to impeach him. And uh, we're going to show what a liar he is, what a terrible job they're doing with the border, how they're lying about it, how terrorists and drug dealers are coming in every day. I thought it was great. So if you were still in politics, would you be, would you uh, want to see an impeachment for Mayorkas? You know, I'm not a big fan of impeachment, but if there's any office where to me it could be warranted, it's Homeland Security because that is such a main responsibility he has is to protect the borders. And they're almost flagrantly not enforcing the law. 
and you have you know, all these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people coming across the border, the, you know, the drugs coming across the border, and yet they seem to think it's a joke. First of all, they're saying it's not happening, but it is happening. Then you have them saying they want to give citizenship to everybody. No, Mayorkas is failing in the main obligation that he has and the country has. He's like the point man for Biden on this for not enforcing the immigration laws. And it's not just a question of immigration per se. It's what it does. I mean, we see what happens here when you know, 50 guys come up in a bus from Texas. You know, the whole city's turned upside down. Can you imagine all these other cities along the border when they have thousands and thousands of people coming in using the social services, using the schools, using the hospitals, and also all the drugs coming across? No, this is a failure of responsibility by Mayorkas. And whether he himself is the guy responsible, he's the guy that's out there. I, I think it's, this comes to the top. I think Biden and the whole administration, this is their attitude. But again, Mayorkas is the guy. He's there. And I fully support Kevin McCarthy. Again, I'm not a big fan of impeachment. This is one way to have a full discussion and examination and an investigation of a failure to enforce the law. And that's what this is. And it's a serious law. It's a vital law. It's a law essential to our national security. Do you think that Republicans now go to that word impeachment very quickly, whether they're talking about Joe Biden, which I think, by the way, is a is a worthwhile impeachment and my orchestra. But do you think they go to that word based on the Donald Trump revenge factor? Yeah, listen, I voted against Bill Clinton's impeachment. I voted against Donald Trump's impeachment. We only had one impeachment of a president, like for the first 100, what, almost 200 years of our country. To me, that is something that should be used only in the most serious issues. I think that when it comes to a cabinet officer, it's a different story because he's not doing the main job he has to do and such a vital thing. So that's the only reason I would support it when it comes to my office. With Joe Biden, listen, we have policy disagreements with him. They're wrong. I think he's hurting the country. But to you know, to go to impeachment, it's supposed to be a high crime and misdemeanor. I, I don't want to become like you know, some of these governments in Europe uh, where you have a new government every, every two months. There's a new, like France and Italy. You know, Italy's had like a thousand governments. And uh, for a long time, their, uh, France was having one after the other and, you know, until the goal came in. Uh, so, no, I think it's, uh, again, we should uh, narrow it for very, very specific and vital issues to be homeland security with illegal immigration and the penetration of the border is, is one that warrants it. But Biden, all you'll be doing is tying the government down. We've got to get things done. And to me, I'd rather focus on, you know, again, going after Biden on policies, not on impeachment. Otherwise, you just get bogged down. And, again, you know, we do have a world where we have to operate in. Peter King, you have been one of the vocal leaders, you, Bo Deedle, and others, guys that are Republicans, guys that supported and were friendly, friendly with Donald Trump in the past that are saying things now like, no good, don't run, do us a favor, get out of the way, let a guy like DeSantis uh, take over. Have you softened your stance since last week, or are you as adamant about that today? No, I'm, I'm so adamant. But I want to make it clear, Donald Trump, first of all, I did support him both times he ran. As president, we had a very good working relationship and an approaching relationship. He had my uh, granddaughter uh, in the Oval Office. He met my uh, grandson, Rosemary. My daughter, in fact, my daughter was sick at one time. He called her, spoke to her for a long time, was talking about you know, a different doctors for her. No, he's personally, I have absolutely no problem with Donald Trump. I just think, though, at this time, I, I don't see him winning again. I think some of the tactics he used, like attacking people in his own party when we were trying to take back the Senate, take back the House, to me, just show that I think time has passed him by. But listen, my time never came. So I'm not I'm <laughs> Trump. The guy was president of the United States. Well, right. you know, what an achievement it is. Right. But I do think at this stage, people are looking for someone new. 
Ron DeSantis right now seems to be the guy. Hey, listen, he's not battle-tested. He may get in there and not make it. But I think we have to start looking others. you got Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. I mean, these are solid, solid people. You know, if you get the New York Post today, Peter, the headline reads, Friends with Benefits, Mayor Adams' unqualified pal given $241,000 job. And there is a picture of this uh, young lady. And underneath her picture is a picture of a smiling Eric Adams. And uh, you know, at dinner last night that we were texting each other back and forth, me and the mayor. And I told him, don't worry about this story. Clearly, they're out to get you. Here, Al Sharpton had to defend you last Saturday. Now the New York Post is going after Eric Adams. Whether or not that story is, is damaging or not, I don't know. Time will tell. But is it fair to say right now, Peter King, that the mayor may be making enemies on both sides? I think the biggest enemy he's, make, he's making is you and Danielle. He hasn't given you the jobs. I mean, the way, the way you've gone in the tank for him, I thought you'd be, uh, I, I don't know, like a, a million-dollar-a-year. It's early. Hey, Pete, it's early. That lead counsel, that's out there for Danielle, trust me. Well, she'd, be, she'd be great, I'll tell you. But, uh, and then make you the DA in Manhattan. Listen, I have, uh, I, I try to get too, not to get too excited over these things. If Eric Adams can bring crime down and, and if to do that, he ends up having a few friends in the government. You know, let's, I can look the other way on that. And listen, if he trusts them, you know, when you're in there, being mayor, even though he's out, he enjoys himself. It's, all those jobs are lonely. At the, bottom, at the end of the day, you have a lot of responsibility and you have a lot of enemies out there. And if it makes you do a better job by having people around you, listen, you know, Jack Kennedy had his Irish mafia with him. And uh, people like to have friends around them uh, to get the job done. So that's what it takes, fine. To me, you judge them at the end of four years. And uh, listen, I, I hope he's got a great uh, police commissioner. And if he can just get going on the crime, really crack down on it. I mean, it's really uh, that's it. If he if he can do the job on crime, he can have all his friends and relatives on the payroll. I don't care. All right. Sixty seconds to go with the great Peter King. A couple of days ago, I had Lee Zeldin on and I asked him flat out a lot of rumors what you may do next. What are you going to do? And he delivered it to me. He said, Sid, RNC chair. That's what I want. That's what we're exploring right now. We're making phone calls. We're getting it done. Looks like that's going to be his. What do you think about the potential of Lee Zeldin being the next RNC chair? I think he'd do a great job. I think it would give him a national profile. I wouldn't want that job. It's a tough, in some ways, thankless job because you're traveling all the time. You have to deal with 50 egomaniacs, all these state chairmen around the country. And all the national committee. Not only that, but he, he's, he's going to have to start making excuses every time Donald Trump says something stupid. And I love Donald Trump, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Now, it's a tough job. And you really, in the end, you don't have all the responsibility. You get all the blame. But listen, Lee, if anyone can do the job, it's Lee. I think he has unlimited potential. Others people talk about him going for Suffolk County executive, getting himself positioned then to run for the Senate or governor again. He's a young guy. I mean, the guy's really a young guy. And, uh, he did so much. He got more Republican votes for governor than any Republicans since Nelson Rockefeller. I mean, you think yeah, of it. That's amazing. And just a few months ago, I mean, people still really weren't sure who he was. He was, you know, from the far end of Long Island, and he ends up scaring the daylights out of the Democrats. They had every big gun they had to bring in at the end to try to save Kathy Hochul. And also because of Lee, that's the main reason we turned those four seats around. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, Lee as the. Uh, uh, a gubernatorial candidate, yeah, Joe Cairo and Nassau, Jesse Garcia in Suffolk. We have, again, there's 100,000 more Democrats in Nassau County, but both seats went to Republicans. Same thing out in Suffolk. There's more Democrats than Republicans, and we took the seats. So, no, that was really hardworking Republicans. But Lee was the guy. Lee was the guy out front. 
He deserves all the credit for that. And if he wants to be Republican national chairman, we couldn't have a better one. Talking about Lee, yesterday we commemorated 59 years since the assassination of Kennedy. Talking about Lee, are you convinced Lee Harvey Oswald killed him? I, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, there's so many conspiracy theories. I think he is. But, you know, getting back to Lee Zeldin, I want the record to show that when you were still running around with Andrew Giuliani, I, I was staying with Lee Zeldin. That's not so, true. Uh, no, that's not true. That's, we have, we have any tape of that? <laughs> <laughs> that? That is 100% true. Peter King is right again. Hey, Adam is going to keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Hey, uh, last night was really great. We do love you guys. And this morning was great, too. And I'll see you again on Friday. So have a happy and a healthy Thanksgiving. And Thanks for everything you do. Your whole career now, you just, you're a wonderful guy, Peter King. Thank you so much. I said thank you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Gabe. Oh, thank you. That's right. Peter knows. Tomorrow, not just Thanksgiving, but my son Gabriel's 14th birthday on the same day. Stella come. Norm Coleman, attorney Joe Murray, and some more Thanksgiving stories on the way out. Here's John Legend. Nervous. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to thank you also, and it's an honor to be with you. I've been with you many times and speak with everybody at the Republican Jewish Coalition. I want to thank Matt Brooks and Norm Coleman. Very, very much. And also the members and staff and supporters of the RJC for their tireless work advancing our values and for their incredible devotion to the Jewish community and to the Republican Party. I'm sitting in the railway station, got a ticket for my On a tour of one night stands My suitcase and guitar in hand And every stop is neatly planned For a poet and a one-man band President Trump mentioning my cousin, Norman Coleman, Norman Jr., and the um, RJC. That was really cool, actually, that big event in Vegas last weekend, and Trump was great that night. I've been talking all morning long about how it's great that you know, I have a house again, and we can make Thanksgiving living in apartment buildings the last six years in New York City. Didn't really lend to that, you know. We missed our house in Boca. We had big, big events, 22 people at a time for Thanksgiving. Now we've got it again. It'll just be the three of us tomorrow because my daughter Ava's in college. But uh, it'll be nice. My dad's gone, and it's not exactly the same, but it'll still be nice. But when I was a little, little boy, I had these... Um, well, not vivid memories, but uh, memories of going to my grandmother's house, Florence. Florence Beerman, she was my godmother, my mother's mother. And uh, there'd be a cast of thousands. And my father and my uncle Norman were the two really paternal figures in the family. Anytime anybody needed anything in the family or something happened, it was either Harvey or Norman that took care of it. 
And Norman, of course, is Norm Coleman's father, and I miss him. I've lost a lot of relatives over the years. I don't miss them all. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> a lot of them, I don't care. Uh, but him I do miss, and Norman's mother as well, my Aunt Beverly. So here he is. I'm so proud of him. My first cousin, the former mayor of St. Paul, senator from the great state of Minnesota, and again, obviously a close friend of President Donald Trump, my cousin Norman Jr. Good morning, Norman. How are you? Sid, I'm doing fine. And let me just return uh, the the, uh, the thought that, that I miss your dad. Uh, immensely, you know, who showed up at my graduation at the University of Iowa Law School in 1976, who drove out there, your dad and your mom, who probably every major event in my life that I can recall, your dad was there. Your dad and my dad were were strong men. I mean, really strong men. And uh, so, yeah, I just got to tell you, to your your listen, it's a little personal exchange here, but but, uh, uh, we, we are who we are today because uh, we, we we stood in the shadow of these giant uh, these giant figures and and uh, sure. uh, we were just blessed to have him. So your father, I, I, had, uh, I had to say that. No, you're right. That's your all. father, a great war hero, and uh, every yeah. time I watch Saving Private Ryan and those guys storm the beaches in Normandy, I think of your father. And, and by the way, not... early morning hours, yes, years old, and, and and he would, you know, he just talked about moving forward. He just kept moving forward, yep. and. Yep. and uh, you know, wounded at the Battle of Bulge, and and uh, you know, you know, buried today at Arlington with with, with my mom. So, uh, and I think I quick told you this. Story. Just quick, so when I was in the Senate, he's getting buried at Arlington, and I get a call from the the, the superintendent of Arlington saying to me, Senator, we have a problem with your dad. He lied when he enlisted. He was too young. Okay, he, he said he was wow. he was seventeen. Wow! And, and he laughed and he said, "We had a lot of those guys, a lot of those folks. They they they, they lied to get into the army, to, you know, to to fight the the Nazis." So, uh, in any case, that's uh, another generation, my friend. Different time. I was actually at that funeral. I went to Arlington uh, for your dad. It was an amazing, amazing day and a great honor. You spoke that day. It was lovely. And uh, my father not only went to Iowa, my uh, my dear cousin, but anytime you won in Minnesota, every yeah. inauguration speech, it was there for that, too, by the way. And, and, and we can confess, I, I think he might have knocked down some opponent's lawn signs at about 3 in the morning one year, which I had to say, you can't do that. <laughs> it, was, it was the Brooklyn in him. <laughs> now, he was he, he took it very seriously. He was very, very proud of you. And somewhere right now, they're both smiling down at the both of us. And I tell you, when Donald Trump mentioned you uh, last Saturday, that was a great speech. It was a great event. I know the great work you've done over the years with the RJC. Tell folks, Norman, exactly what that organization does. So it's a, it's a Republican Jewish coalition, and, and this is our leadership meeting. And, and it, was, it, was, it was fascinating because every, every contender for 2024 on the Republican side was there. Okay, so keynote speaker ended the event uh, was, was was DeSantis before DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Uh, the night before we had Pence, we had Pompeo, we had we had the 45th president Donald Trump, and and we had, by the way Chris Christie, Larry Hogan were, were there. Uh, what's interesting is by the way Chris Christie got a, got a standing ovation from maybe a little over half the group. Uh, Donald Trump got a standing ovation. I got to stop you. Right, I, I, I got to stop you right here because Chris Christie has done a lot of stabbing here in New York. In fact, he went on a show with Boomer Esiason on the fan and ripped the president to shreds. And I still see him on George Stephanopoulos' shows and MSNBC taking shots at Trump. You're telling me those two guys were in the same room and there was no issue? Well, no, no. So Trump came. So Christie was there the day before, but Trump was on. We did his by video. We did Trump and then Bibi Netanyahu. Came okay. and addressed us. I did a I did a video uh, interview with BB, but we did it with uh, Trump was in Mar-a-Lago. He did a video. He was fabulous. Everyone else was there in person. But I'm telling you that 
that, that Christie, when he got done, got a standing ovation from a part of the crowd. DeSantis, by the way, got the biggest ovation. Of course. I'll be very blunt. Donald Trump, by the way, is still the leader of the Republican Party. Uh, by all the recent poll came out, Quinnipiac had, had uh, DeSantis and Trump pretty close. Uh, Trump maybe a little ahead, but Emerson had came out with a poll that had Trump way ahead among Republicans, not among independents where he gets you know, he's getting crushed, uh, but among Republicans. Trump is still, you know, he's still the big dog in, in the party. But DeSantis, I, got, I will tell you, he got the biggest ovation on that Saturday night that, that the, the crowd, he was just, he got him moving. So but the, the interesting thing is that everybody showed up. And everyone is looking to 2024. So the president being in the race, even though he is still the leader, I have to say that up front. And by the way, from a Republican Jewish perspective, uh, he was the best friend that Israel ever yes. had in the White House. So we acknowledge that. There's no I acknowledge that. I did ask him, however, uh, the, the question, I think it was the important question, to say, Mr. President, you've reshaped the Republican Party. Uh, so, so all the working men and women, the, the guys that put in the dock, the, the tradesmen, the, the folks who work in the coffee shop in, near my cabin in northern Minnesota, they're all Republicans today, and they were Democrats before. But I, I said, so you've reshaped the party. Uh, but the challenge is we're getting beaten now in the suburbs. We're, we're, we're starting we're, – we're losing with suburban women. How do we get them back? Because to win – uh, nationwide, we got to get we got to get back oh, somewhat what we had in the suburb. We can't just win with the heartland. We can't just win with with with, with rural America. And so, and I never got, I didn't get an answer to that. But that that remains kind of the challenge for the party. How do we take this this Republican Party that now is the party of the working men and women, and the Democrats are the party of the East Coast and West Coast elite. They're the, they're the party, you know, you know yeah, they get their student loan forgiveness, which they, they love. So, you know, so the Harvard-educated lawyers are going to get, you're not going to have to pay back, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 or more worth of their debt. But average working men and women are now in the Republican Party, but we, we need that suburbs. We yep. need those college-educated uh, men and women to be on our team in order to win. Uh, and, and Trump doesn't do well in that universe. That's a reality. He doesn't he – does, he does poorly. Uh, and, and so – uh, in order to be successful, we have to we have to turn that around. That was a great question. I was hoping you would give me an answer, but uh, maybe he doesn't have one right now. But I will say this: I'm looking for an answer. How all of us, not just you, Norman, every television person I watched from outside of Call Rove, from Jesse Waters to Bill O'Reilly on this show, some of the smartest political people. Not that Jesse's one of them, but uh, all had us winning big on election day. Fifty-four states, fifty-five states, red wave. We were all wrong. What the f happened? So, uh, in states where we had a lousy top of the ticket, we, we such as Pennsylvania, to be very blunt, okay, Mastriano was a, a disaster. Uh, we lost all the close seats. Uh, we didn't do well, by the way, two to Dixon, Michigan. We lost the close seats. By the way, I said we we did get in the end and end up with about almost five million more votes Republicans right. did than Democrats. And New York, we, we did a great and, job. And, 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 and but look at yeah. New York. Lee Zeldin runs a good race. Okay, we pick up four seat four seats uh, and the Catco seat, which which that was an open seat. Uh, the reason the Republicans have will have now control the House. The reason Nancy Pelosi has been retired is because of Lee Zeldin and the New York Court of Appeals. Court of Appeals threw out the, the Democrat rigged uh, redistricting plan, opened it up, and then Lee Zeldin runs a close race. And as a result of that, we pick up four seats. We dominated in Florida okay, uh, because DeSantis ran a, a strong race. So where we had weak top of the ticket, even though nationwide we had more votes, 
We lost. We lost all the, almost all the close races, races that historically you'd win when you had a president who is who you know has messed up and destroyed an economy, uh, where crime's out of control, where the border's out of control, where we're embarrassed by Afghanistan. Biden is still hugely unpopular. Uh, that didn't translate into Republican victories in the House or the Senate. How do you feel about this runoff coming up uh, about two weeks in Georgia? Uh, listen, you'd rather have 51 than 50. We know all that. So it is an important race still. Uh, seems very difficult to handicap. But based on all these other races, which end up in runoffs or recounts, we seem to lose every single one of them. So, so how do you feel about 50 that? Really, 50 really is important because what 50 does, it gives you a tie in the committees, okay? So therefore, you can stop a letter of bad things. It forces Schumer to bring it to the floor. You get 51, and they can run roughshod. Plus, with 50, all you need is Manchin to kind of be on the other side. Right. You know, that, that's not a great comfort to me. But, uh, but uh, you know, you need, you know, uh, Manchin to sit him up to say no and all of a sudden things. But, again, it's the committee piece, which is I know it's get a little kind of, you know, too in, inside politics here. But if you got a tie, what you get is a tie in the committee, which means you can stop at that anything at that point, force it to go to the floor. A lot harder to get to the floor, get something done on the floor in the Senate. Typically, you need 60, except what they call reconciliation. Uh, it, it, it makes a huge difference. The problem, Sid, is you're right. You know, for, uh, that, that's I, to, to tell the average person about why 50-50 is critically important in you know in, in Senate committees is not as powerful as a Democrat saying, hey, it's already been decided. We already have a majority. You know, why show up? Mm-hmm. And so I do worry about that. I do worry that, that the incentive the Democrats, you know, at this point, have, have we, has a little air come out of that tire. If it has, we lose. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and Walker did well. Again, my top of the ticket theory, Kemp. You know, Kemp ran a fabulous race. I think I think Herschel benefited from that. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that you know, how that plays out. Where you where you win a, run a good race and you have someone at the top, you know, helping you get across. It, it makes a difference. I got to tell you, Mehmet Oz, I would believe would be in the Senate today if Mastriani didn't lose by fifteen points. Yeah, he got killed. I had him on. He's actually a very good guy. He's a war hero, Mastriano. Yeah, he served yeah, everywhere. You know, in, in New Hampshire, uh, Bolduck, you know, a good guy, you know, you know, a hero, war hero, but he gets crushed, and then when we lose, you know, in the, any, you know, the, the house seats in that area, so top of the ticket makes a difference, and you know, without Kemp running this time, I'm concerned. I just, I just hope our folks come out because it's really important for the future of the country. Uh, the, the good news about Nancy Pelosi being retired is that we have put an end to. Uh, the, the trillion dollar uh, yeah. reconciliation packages mm-hmm. to, to uh, Biden tax increases to Green New Deals being stuck in, inside, you know, some reconciliation package. So we put an end to all that by having retiring Nancy Pelosi, but having a, you know, a Senate that doesn't allow them to kind of do what they need to do on judges, on appointments, et cetera. It makes a big difference for, for the, you know, the direction of this country. Let's stay with the House, talking about Pelosi. Uh, McCarthy has vowed, if he gets that position, to, to do some big stuff. Get rid of Swalwell, get rid of uh, Omar in that Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, get rid of Adam Schiff, who's really a disaster. Now, yesterday, he was talking about impeaching Mayorkas, and eventually, Biden's name will come up, too. Now, Peter King told me moments ago, listen... I'm not for impeachment. I understand my orcas has not done his job or Biden. I'm not for impeachment. How would you feel about that? I'm not for impeachment either. I'm, I'm, I'm for, I'm for uh, taking a close look. I'm for investigating. I'm for, you know, accountability. 
Uh, so, so folks need to be held accountable, and we need to kind of shine a light. That's what McCarthy can do, shine a light on, on the, the fact is the border is out of control. And Mayorkas is, as yet, it's, it's stunningly out of control. Millions coming into this country uh, with, with reckless abandon. Uh, but, but I'm not for impeachment. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think in the end, election have consequences. Uh, there'll be another a chance for an election to have consequences in 2024 and get rid of Biden and get rid of his whole crew. Uh, so, so what the you know the House can do is they can provide accountability. We can we can kind of look at the terrible things that the that the this administration has done, uh, and and then shine the, the a light on that. And in the end, you know you get accountability. But I believe you get that's kind of where Norm Coleman comes from. I believe you get it in the next election. Uh, it's it's I, I worry about you know our side takes power, we impeach them. Obviously, you know they do it. I mean, but but because they do it doesn't mean that we do it. Uh, let's let's use the power of the House to shine a light on the bad things that are happening. Hopefully, put an end to that. Uh, do a few things such as you know get Ilhan Omar, you know who's a, who's an anti-Semite, get her off foreign relations. Uh, get get uh, what's his name? Schiff. So, so, Swalwell. Oh, Swalwell and Schiff. Yeah. You know, yeah. right? He, he's on the Intel Committee. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy sleeping with Chinese spies, and, and, and he, right? And he's on the intel committee. Help me. Uh, so I mean, those things you can do. I think the public will understand that. I'm not a big impeachment guy. Okay. Let's wrap this up in a nice little bowl where we started. We started with you and I being little boys at Grandma Flory's house, your father, my father. And uh, when you were that age, Norm Coleman, uh, you looked up to guys like Jim Katkavich, Y.A. Tittle, Andy Robustelli, but yet now you've lived in Minnesota all these years, and you started to give me this booba monster about the Vikings last week. And last I checked, the well, Dallas Cowboys. Me the same about the New York teams last week too. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but no, no, but no, no, no. But, but the last I checked, the Dallas Cowboys went to Minnesota and beat your Vikings by thirty-seven points on Sunday. So I noticed no Viking references so far today, Norm. Now, well, listen, the, the bubble was birthed both for the Viking for the Vikings and the New York teams last week. Okay, uh, so, so uh, let's let's say and and and, and so listen, Sid. I, I must admit, with with the Vikings, that's simply you know par for the course. I mean, they. they, they <laughs> You know, historically, come yeah, on. It's true. I mean, yeah. whether it's, you know, four Super Bowls, whether whatever it is, they just kind of, you know, come up and boom, the, the bubble gets burst. But New York, I thought actually something was happening. I, I thought I thought there was another miracle on, no. No. you know, ha- about to happen, and boom, that got no. taken care of. You see of. how badly and, Dallas beat Minnesota on Sunday? Guess what? The Giants have the Cowboys tomorrow. It may look eerily similar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, I, the, the, the Irish play USC, okay? That's a great game to watch. Oh, yeah. And, uh, your yeah. audience may not know. My daughter went to Notre Dame. Yes. Your nephew went to Notre Dame. Your yes. Cousin went to, your cousin, that's my nephew. Yeah. My, went, went, to know, you know, went to Notre Dame. Uh, and uh, I think they have a good chance of. Uh, oh, that's a tough game. Uh, hey, we went for yeah. dinner last night. Danielle and I went out for dinner last night with your friend, Congressman Peter King, at an Italian restaurant on Long Island. And he actually wore a Notre Dame shirt because he went there with Regis Philbin yeah. many years ago. So. Go right, go, go right. So last thing said, I'll tell you is that we're having 35 folks at our house for Thanksgiving. Oh, so. that's nice. Please give my love to everybody, Laurie, and everybody. Everybody's back. It's it's uh, it's a good thing. Uh, put put COVID in the rearview uh, you know, mirror, and uh, let's start moving forward. You mean you're not going to have people taking COVID tests at the door and wearing masks yeah. and all that stuff? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll require them to wear masks when they once they're inside. Yeah. <laughs> Norm, I love Hell you. No. Hell I, no, I, I love you. Enjoy the holiday. Thank you so Best much. You. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. You're yeah. the best. Bye. He is Bye. great. He is so good. My cousin, that's my first cousin, folks. What a terrific guy. Norm Coleman. Eight years as the mayor in St. Paul, Minnesota. Won that Senate position when he beat uh, Wellstone. 
in Minnesota. Ran for governor, gave Jesse Ventura a tough race. Ran for Senate again, gave Al Franken a tough race. Best friends with Bush 43, Trump loves him. Leads a Republican Jewish coalition. Is back and forth to Israel with Bibi Netanyahu every week. Very impressive guy. My first cousin, Norm Coleman. All right, we'll take a short break. We've got a major event, Lewis, going down in Rockaway on Saturday. One that people flock from, from every bar. It's a big deal. And you'll find out why. Coming up next. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Santa Claus tomorrow at the end of that Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's the official start of the season here in New York. I told you the story uh, earlier in the week. So I have these uh, neighbors that are very good friends of mine, Joe and Maria Ferrente. Beautiful couple, two beautiful little boys. And Joe goes uh, uh, texts me a couple weeks ago. He goes, hey, man, I'll see you at uh, Joe Murray's event. And I said, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? Yeah, the little North Pole. You're going to be there. I go, what are you talking about? No idea what he's talking about. I'm, I'm getting texts from not just them, but Mike Sullivan. And so it turns out that there's an attorney who lives in my neighborhood, a very, very successful and famous attorney and a super guy, super guy. His name is Joe Murray. And uh, he has this house not far from mine. And he puts up these Christmas decorations. And it's like a worldwide thing. People know about it everywhere. He does an amazing job. And when he does this, he has this huge event every year, a great cause juvenile diabetes, and he brings out all these famous people, and he's got food and games and drinks. So you're celebrating the holiday season with all these kids. In the past, my dear friend Tony Sirico went. This year, now that Tony passed away, and I'm going to be there, Stephen Van Zant is coming. And it's a lovely event. All of Rockaway, Bell Harbor, Breezy, Mike Sullivan, they all come. And uh, now, after finding out about it before I knew about it, <laughs> now, of course, I've agreed to host the event. I think Joe Causey's going to be there, too. Or somebody, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be there. And uh, here he is, the man that hosts this event every year. I think it's like 15 or 16 years now. The very famous attorney and friend of mine, Joe Murray. Joe, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? Thank you for allowing us to be on today. You're welcome. Uh, tell the folks who don't live in that area, because, again, everybody knows about the Little North Pole where we live, but folks maybe, maybe in the Bronx or Staten Island have no idea what we're talking about. What is this event you put on every year that gets worldwide attention? It's a pretty amazing event, Sid. You know, we give out food for every single person that attends. We have great entertainment, and we have toys for every single kid. There's a visit from Santa. 
Every kid gets to see Santa. Every kid actually walks away with a toy. But the most important thing about this event, Sid, is it raises money for juvenile diabetes. Children that live each and every day of their lives with this disease. You know, when we started it, Sid, we had two reasons for actually putting together a little North Pole. One, to put a smile on every single child's face and give them a memory of Christmas that we know will last a lifetime. And then two, to help a special group of children that actually need our help. And those are children that live each and every day of their lives with juvenile diabetes. You know, Sid, a newly diagnosed child with diabetes is actually forced to inject themselves with insulin three, four, five times a day. This is every day, and it goes on for the rest of their lives. So over over at the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, it happens to be the number one non-governmental provider of diabetes research throughout the world. And the mission is to try and find a cure as quickly as we can Mm. and stop the complications associated with this disease. This is a great cause. Now, have you been personally affected by this, Joseph, Um, a a child of yours? It it actually actually ran in my family. When my little guy was five years old, he was diagnosed with with juvenile diabetes. And at that point, we uh, put every effort into what we do. And what's amazing about what we do, Sid, is every penny we raise goes directly out towards research, goes directly out to the charity. So everyone that's out there, including yourself, Sid, no one gets paid. Um, It's all donated. Everyone donates their time. Everyone that's out there helping me put together the house donates their time. There's so many great people. The food, all donated. It is absolutely amazing. And every penny we raise goes right to the charity. That's great. Uh, My friend Joe Esposito just texted me, the former chief of police. I love Joseph. He said, my Monsignor Dave Casado does a prayer there every year, and they'll both be there coming up on Saturday, and people are invited from all over. Now, did I hear this correctly, Joe, that, and I haven't seen it yet, I can't wait to come on Saturday, but you do such an amazing job decorating your house. You know, you're like all those houses in Dyker Heights, that you've actually won cash prizes for that. Is that true? Well, a couple of years ago, we won a TV show, The Great Christmas Light Fight. Uh, Channel 7, uh, we went against houses throughout the United States. And and just so you know, when that show actually aired, the next morning, Good Morning America was at the house. Wow. And that night, World News Tonight and, 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 and Nightline. Wow, and you. Talk to us. Nice. And the reason behind that was we didn't accept the money. We took the trophy, but we didn't take the money. Oh, that's awesome. $50,000 was awarded to us. The $50,000 went straight out to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation for research. Oh, that is great, Joe. That is great. So how many how many lights do you think? I mean, like, for example, my my, my guy across the street, Louis Gampero, you know Louis the Jet. He uh, does Louis very well. Of course. In fact, they'll be at the event. Of course they will be in my next door neighbor, Billy Felton and Jackie. They'll be there, too. But uh, he does a nice job lighting up his house. But your house has to be just spectacular. How many lights? Well, what have you got out there? Well, we got these gigantic toy soldiers. We got these dances in the front lawn. But the most important thing about what's going on at the house is it's for everyone. We have kids from all around the world. You could see these kids, different nationalities, playing together, having fun. We have a menorah. We have dreidos. We have everything out there for everyone to come out and enjoy. 
Wow. This sounds amazing. Stephen Van Zandt, uh, Bruce Springsteen, E Street Band, of course, played Silvio Dante on The Sopranos. He'll be out there talking. I'll be there, Joe Causey. I know you got a bunch of people, according to Mike Sullivan, that are going to sing, too, right? A bunch of singers? We have singers. We have performers. We've had people from France Jolie to Judy Torres. Oh, I love France Jolie. The oh. CKA to Lime, uh, Angelo Venuto, Chris Marchia, the USO Girls. Wow. Johnny's been out there for years. Uh, Tony Sirico, Paulie Walnut's been out there for years. Everyone out there on the street making sure that everyone is having a great time. And everybody's invited, Joe. There's no cover charge. You're outside anyway. You can't charge people to be outside. But everybody's invited. How many people would you estimate show up at this event on an annual basis? You've got to guess. Well, open at night, there's probably a couple thousand people outside the house. Wow. Uh, enjoying the event and, and uh, waiting to see Santa Claus. Uh, it's pretty spectacular. Whether or not you're a kid or you're an adult, when you see Santa Claus, and I don't want to really talk about it, but when you see Santa Claus actually come in, you will be absolutely amazed as to how he comes in, who brings him in, the smiles on all the people's faces. I'm not just talking children. I'm talking adults. It is something that you will never forget. I believe that. And how many days, you said opening night, so that, that sends a signal it's more than one day. How many days is this event? Well, we're going we're gonna to do the, the, the main event for juvenile diabetes is opening night on Saturday. It's going to happen. It's going to start at 3.15 in the afternoon. And what's very important, uh, Sid, is uh, where I'm located. I'm at 144-03 Naponset Avenue in Rockaway Beach, down by the beaches. Um, pull, come on, pull in. We start at 3.30 in the afternoon. We'll probably be finished somewhere between 6 and 7 o'clock that night. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick event. Um, we're, we're out there. We probably have about 15, 20, 30 people performing, and Santa Claus will be ready to give out gifts to every single kid. After we finish that event, on Monday, we do an event for the autistic kids. We probably have about 800 autistic kids coming up to the house. Uh, we do an event uh, Monday morning. And then Monday night, we do an event for the Special Olympic kids. And we're also this year doing some of the uh, handicapped kids connected to the New York City wow. Fire Department. Um, so it's very important. Listen, the, the, these kids, they, they live each and every day of their lives dealing with something that's, that's, that's wrong. That, 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 that creates a problem, and it's a problem for them. It's a problem for their brothers and sisters. It's a problem for their families, their parents, and, and, and these kids need to come out, and these kids need to smile, and these kids need a little time to enjoy themselves and forget about the problems that they have. And when you're out there and you watch these children and you watch the smiles on their faces, you forget about everything that's happening around the world. I've been listening to your show all morning, Sid, and it's a great show, and I absolutely love it. Um, and, and there's so many bad things happening throughout the world. Uh, come out to the Little North Pole. You'll, you'll forget about those, those problems right now and, and get into the holiday spirit, get into the Christmas spirit, and enjoy yourselves. Beautiful. Uh, i got to tell you, Joe, God bless you, man. I mean, I I wasn't aware of all these things, all these kids you're helping out. You're doing God's work. You're a beautiful man. 
Uh, I know my son is turning 14 tomorrow on Thanksgiving. My daughter's away in college. She won't be there. But what a beautiful thing you're doing here and have done for many, many years. I know you're a local hero. Now I know why, Joe Murray. So I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday afternoon. Thank you for hopping on today. Have a healthy and happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. And once again, on behalf of all the kids in our neighborhood, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, there's just so many people that donate their foods, so many people that actually help put this thing together. I think opening day, when the two tractor trailers dropped off the stuff, we probably had over 100 people. Wow. Um, And and, and I've had people outside my house almost every night uh, uh, sparing their their, their own time uh, working on these things. People right. like, you know, Richard Topps and, uh, you know, Richie Keene and, 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 and Tony. We call them Tony the Fixer on the show because he actually yeah. fixes our, yeah. our items. And, yeah. and John like It's just amazing the, 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 the people that come out, the people that help, people like yourself um, to, to, to give back, to give back, to, to make sure that something is successful and something works out. So everyone that's listening, please come out. Come out to the Little North Pole. This Saturday, 3.30 in the afternoon, I promise you, you're going to have a, a, a ball. All right, one more time. Give, give me the address quickly one more time, Joe. Address? Okay, so it's 14403 Naponset Avenue over in Rockway Beach, New York. It's part of Queens. It's a beautiful little area. It's a quiet area. And you're going to enjoy All not right. only the neighborhood, but you're going to enjoy the little North Pole. Thank you, Joseph. God bless you. Joe Murray right there. I'll check it out on Saturday. I'll be there, too. <laughs> On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Somewhere deep inside, something's got to hold on you. And it's pushing me aside, see it stretch on forever. And I know I'm right For the first time in my life That's why I tell you You'd better be home soon Great song, Crowded House. Better be home tonight. My friend Anthony checks in in the garage. Great spot for a diabetes. That ended weird, by the way. There are some truly amazing people out there. You're one of them. Don't ever sell yourself short. Happy Thanksgiving and send Gabriel my best birthday wishes. What happened to the other song? <laughs> Lewis. That was an abrupt ending, uh, if you will. Thank you, Anthony, for that. That's uh, very, very nice. And uh, my phone is blowing up. It's funny. Is I get yelled at all the time. My wife yells at me. I got friends yell at me, neighbors, because they don't like it when I publicize where I live because it's a very, they call it the best-kept secret in New York, best-kept secret. Stop telling people where you live. We don't want people to know about us. And here I got Joe Murray on the phone, and he's got like 17,000 people outside his house every night for weeks, weeks, leading up to this beautiful event that he puts on, God bless him. And they're worried about me? They're worried about me making a statement in the wave in Rockaway where I live? I mean, come on. This sounds like I've never been here before. Don't forget, I just moved to Rockaway in April. So I've never gone to this little North Pole event. But it sounds like it's going to be unbelievable. And there's just a mass of people. In fact, my plan is tonight, when it gets dark out, to walk over to Joe's house for the first time and see the decorations before the, uh, before the big party on Saturday. So 
And I would invite you, Lou and MJ, but I don't know. You, you seem like you're, a, you're not in a great mood right now, so. You are so perceptive. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this little Rufino for 25 years. I And uh, <laughs> you just made a move like Ryan Seacrest made when Kelly Ripper held up my book live on national television a couple of weeks ago. The arm fold, the sit back in the chair, the, let me just say it this way. You could all blank me. That was uh, the look I got, Lewis. So don't get yourself into trouble. Not all. Just one person in particular. No, not one person in particular. A lot of people. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) You want to tell me what's going on? That's not a good idea. No, no, no. No. I don't want to get into any you, trouble. You just like you don't want to get anybody in trouble, but you like to start trouble. No, I don't, no, 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 no. It's clearly already been started. Whatever trouble there is, I didn't start this. It's, it's somebody already started it. But when my friend, the guy that has become my my second year, well, like Danny Zuko and Kaniki, is not happy, then I'm not happy, and I then I get concerned, and then as the star at the station, I feel like it's my duty. And your friend, by the way. To stick up for you because whatever's happening is not your fault; it's their fault. No, it's my fault. Oh, it is your fault. Yep. What the hell did you do? What's the matter with you, stupid? You just answered the question. I'm stupid. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm stupid. No, you're not. Thirty-six, thirty-seven years of work is enough. Yeah. Me. That's it. Oh That's my true. God! Oh, you are pissed when you start going over your resume. <gasps> I think that's enough time for anybody to work. Thirty. You've so. had it. Oh, now you want to retire? You yes, just sir. said you were thankful this morning for this job and working with me. Now you want to retire. I've wanted to retire for a long. time. I know time. you want to move to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Who could think of a more beautiful oh place? Oh my God! Would you just leave? Just I'm not. I'm never going to tell you where I'm going. Well, again. don't go there. I'm not going. I'm not there. coming to see you. I'm not. Move to Hawaii. I'll you, come visit you. You, you truthfully, you're going to have to visit me in Sing Sing, <laughs> at some day. If you really want to know, the no, truth. I could get happen this morning. Yeah, well, it's that's what we I'll, just had. Inevitably, that's where I Lewis, will end up. We just had a wonderful juvenile diabetes Santa Claus. Come on, that's nothing. Right. Could, I'm glad nothing could be that irritating where you seem so angry right now. Yeah, I just said I'm, that's where I'll probably end up. Yeah. It's an easy place to end your end your days. Yeah. I'll get some meals. I'll watch some cable TV. Right. Not that up. bad. I'll catch up on the shows I've missed. Right. Yeah. Won't you miss MJ, your beautiful fiance? Uh, she, uh, she'll visit. They'll have conjugal visits, right. Visit, yeah. right. And then uh, that's she all. can go live her life and be happy. Even better, right? Right, I think so. She'll come in, bang her once a week, and let her go that's live her life. Let her go live yeah. her life. Right. This is perfect. go back to TV yeah. and go to sleep. Sure. Because I'm going to sleep the last three years of my life anyway to catch up. How are you feeling today, bud? Good? I feel so good. Okay. Want to go to break? Nope. Okay. Whatever. We're going to go to break right now, though, anyway. Okay? All right. Thanks. Let's do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sure can be a friend of mine. 
This is Eddie's Kazari's favorite song ever, uh, Lewis. Sister Golden Hair Surprise. I'm getting a bunch of happy Thanksgiving messages and uh, folks who heard the Joe Mori interview and Norm and Pete. And thank you so much for all of that. I, 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 I got to get back to you at some point, but I can't do it all in one day. You know, we went one year for Thanksgiving. Pete uh, King would appreciate this. Hey, Bo Dito, what's up, brother? Was um, It's a place in Asheville. It's called the, uh, the Grove Park Inn. It's a great spot for, for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. You look great. How about that, Bo Dila? He, he, this guy, you have lived a life like Forrest Gump. You're the real life Forrest Gump. I was banging an Eastern Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bo for you, right? I was banging an Eastern Airlines stewardess, ended up at the Grove Park, and I love that guy, man. I do. I love Bo Dietl. He's such a great guy. And I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for friends like Bo Dietl. I really am. And Peter King and... O'Reilly and all the folks here. I'm certainly thankful for John and Margot Katsimatidis. I, I can't say enough nice things about them. Very thankful for Chad Lopez. Thankful for Matt Meany, even though he's a pain in the ass. I mean, my God. But it's not his fault. He gets his marching orders from somebody else. He's a good kid, and he works hard. He really does. So, um, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but, you know, Curtis. I mean, Curtis is a dear, dear friend. I'm thankful for him. And I guess, Frankie, I'm thankful for you. Fine. Turn, turn around. Jeez, God. I said, look here. Make me, make me thank him. Uh, Phil and uh, uh, my, my mother, my mother, of course. I'm thankful for my mom. I love my mom. And Danielle and Gabriel, I'm thankful for them. And um, Deb, I love you too. And Lewis. And, and I'm thankful that I had um, all those years with Bernard, to be honest. Yeah, it was a little tough uh, this year. That uh, This was about the time last year when Bernie started to say to me, you know, every time I make pee-pee, my pee-pee, my pee-pee burns. It's about this time. And then uh, December, you remember this, Matt, that's when we got the diagnosis. But this was about the time last year, so I'm thankful that I had all those great years. I miss, and then the Bernie and Sid show working with uh, Bernard McGurk. And I thank God for the tremendous talent that he's bestowed upon me. How about that, Louis? You like that? Well said. Yeah. Which part? The Bernie part or me? Oh, uh, yeah, that's your <laughs> part and the peeing part. How about that? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, Lou. It'll be a rough day for you. I can just see it. Rough day. Your face is so red. You're so mad. We have to end the show now, so play a song. We'll go home. How about that? Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there on a very serious note. I'll be back on Friday. I haven't done this in many, many years. We're going to work the day after Thanksgiving, so you got me on Friday. For tomorrow, I'll be with the family like I hope you are. So from all of us here on The Morning Show to all of you until 6 a.m. on Friday, have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you in a couple of days. Peace! Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.